three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Real Pineapple. This is your humble host Hunter here, and oh my God, I'm talking about Fast and Furious. We're talking about the all the movies leading up to Fast Nine, which by the time you hear this, that review will be live. But I've got a special guest here that I'm going to uh, gush about here for a moment. He runs an incredible podcast that I've had the pleasure of being on called Mission Potable. Uh, this young man is one of the uh, one of the opinions I truly respect the most as far as just uh, film criticism in general. He he has a much better film mind than I had at his age, which, damn you. Um, my friend Nathan. Nathan, how you doing, sir? Dude, I'm doing right. I, I'm, I mean, everything is great right now. I mean, we're talking... Uh, I'm just going to correct you on the title because the title structure is a big part of this franchise. We were talking F9, the Fast Saga, not not Fast Nine. <laughs> That's another one. Fa- 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 fine, fair enough. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds my shy there. It's just going to be called <laughs> Fast Five. <laughs> There's going to be an outtake of Vin Diesel saying "family" and stuttering. They're going to go, "Oh my god, That's Fast Ten, right? <laughs> Family, Fast and Furious family. Oh my God, I'm in. It's right it's there. It's right there. I'm so glad to be here, dude. I've been waiting to come on one of these. And uh, apropos that I'd be on here talking about the franchise I love the most. Just kidding. Mission Impossible is on that list. But we're not talking about Mission Impossible. We're talking about Mission and Freaking Sanity. Yeah, which it's been so. I'm just going to start with my personal journey with the fat, with the fast film. So, I saw the first one, oh, that was two, was that 2000? Uh, no, 2001, when the first mm-hmm. film came out. Um, so that I would have been, I'll, I just turned 14. Like, just turned 14. And I remember going with a group of my friends to go see it. I had no idea what the movie was about. I just saw, like, a bright, you know, like, a bright car on the front. I went, all right, so street racing, cool. And, you know, of course, you know, for for 14-year-old Hunter, just starting to kind of understand what any semblance of film was. That shit was kind of insane to me. And I mean that in the best way because we got to that point where, you know, you see Paul Walker, you see Vin Diesel. And that was my first Vin Diesel film. And Vin Diesel, and we've talked about him and we'll definitely talk about him. As talk about my man, here. Vinny D. <laughs> Vinny D. Uh, I, 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 I am Dom. Um, but I, but what I've honestly always loved about Vin Diesel is that he doesn't look like the stereotypical leading man. He has a very distinct look to him. And I think that's something that really endeared him to audiences really from jump in this first Fast film. Uh, because, again, he has this very kind of rugged look about him. Kind of looks like looks like, a, like a handsome Mr. Peanut. And... Uh, <laughs> and you know, and you see him in the tank, you know, you see him in the tank top, you hear him doing the quotes and everything, but he just has this, he has this natural charisma that you said it before, man, and I'll let you kind of get into it. You think he, you think he's the most earnest actor working in Hollywood right now. His, his sincerity is his whole brand. Um, okay. 
to <laughs> getting a little bit on my man Vinny D. Um, he he is this era's Sylvester Stallone. And in making okay. this comparison, I'm going to say that The Rock is this era's Schwarzenegger. And I honestly feel like the discussion about The Rock and Vin Diesel goes beyond the feud. They are really kind of the two warring big honchos in action cinema right now. I mean, Tom Cruise is off doing that. his own prestige stuff. And, you know, like <laughs> Tom Cruise is willing to put a way, way more on the line for that. But he's not necessarily what people think of when they think of machismo. Vin Diesel and The Rock are like pure machismo distilled right now. And to me, Vin Diesel, a lot like Sylvester Stallone, kind of had to figure out how to be a star, but has this innate weird star power. Like, had you met Sylvester Stallone on a city bus or Vin Diesel on a city bus, you wouldn't think that they're a star, but you'd definitely be weirdly drawn to them. There's something weird about the fact that like a shot of Vin Diesel like grimacing behind a car could make more money than like a shot of Paul Walker or a shot of Lucas Black (laughs) grimacing behind a car, or even I would say Dwayne Johnson, which is something we'll definitely get into here, but we should just sort of get into it. I guess if you want me to tell my experience with this, I got it. Please. So I had seen the first one's arcade game in the lobby of the local theater where I saw how, or is it is it nice. uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas the the Ron Howard one? That's the movie I remember seeing the most yeah. in two thousand one. It may have not have come around the same era, but I just remember the arcade game being one that I played. The one on a motorbike instead of on a car, which is you know okay. Uh, <laughs> and I hadn't seen the first one. I wrote it off completely. I mean, I my first Vin Diesel was the Iron Giant, but the most of my knowledge of that is like watching the special features on a dvd and seeing a man with sunglasses who's completely bald doing robot noises i'm like okay i'll log who that person is in my brain for the rest of my life because who is that and yeah you uh you get to like too fast too furious body rejects it that's a weird title It's funny to look at now. I mean, everybody wants to do like to die too hard or whatever, you know, like whatever you want to do with that. But at the time. At the time. And um, Tokyo Drift completely drifted by me, literally. But 2008 was one of those years (laughs) where I got super into movies. And then moving on to 2009, Fast Ampersand Furious comes out. And I decided you know what i'm gonna give one of these a shot it had that tagline that that perfect tagline where it's like uh new model original parts original parts yep one of the best taglines cinematic taglines and a lot of people just told me like okay you can watch one and then you can watch four and that's you know whatever and that that's all you really need so i watch one and then i watch four and i think four is a lean mean little movie that we'll get into a little bit later in this recording but uh, that one at least made me stand up and be like, okay, this is, this is pretty great. And that, around that same time, I'm watching the TV show Community. And I'm okay, diehard Community fan. And it didn't same. really start until the paintball episode directed by Justin Lin, who we're talking about. I mean, you look at the first season of Community and you look at the directors on board and not all of them are winners, but like you take... Justin Lin and the Russo brothers, two of the like highest grossing directors of all time. 
And yep. I hear that they're releasing this movie and it's got the rock looking like he ate another rock, super muscled up. And it yeah. looks crazy based off of the trailers. So I was like, you know what? I'll go see Fast Five. I watch all the movies in the franchise up until this point. I hear that three has a weird chronology. I did not like two. Did not like three. Ampersand still fucks. And then uh, I seated in the theater for Fast Five where I got my brother Logan who does not have any interest. A little bit younger than me. Just no interest at all. Almost just spiting me for taking him to the theater. And then I see it with my brother Mason who on multiple recorded occasions has said, I just don't like movies. And we get to that third act and I think it was it was either around the point in which the Rock's whole team is slaughtered and then Vin Diesel gives him that yeah. epic handshake or, um, you know, when uh, Tyrese and Han come into the ending of the chase and say, good evening, officers, license and registration, please, where my brother just almost gets up and is like, fast fucking five. This is fucking incredible. I have never seen a movie quite like this. We came out of it sold on every other one after that. And they, with what it started at from super lightning in a bottle, humble beginnings to this huge franchise has been the only one to really maintain its own weight to where when I get a new sequel, I'm not basing it off of 70 years of comic books that are setting up what the sequel could be. It's insane. Yeah. It, it is truly like, I honestly think this franchise will be taught in film schools and should be taught in film schools on how a franchise can be developed and stay relevant. But yeah, that's my piece. <laughs> okay. So, so I'll say for myself, I watched the first one in theaters and then I didn't watch another one until the fourth one, but my friend was, um, uh, my friend Colin, who's one of the guys I started the podcast with, he was working at Hollywood Video at the time. And so he got a copy early of uh, of uh, Fast and uh, Fast Amber Sand Furious. And so we watched that together. And I remember going, God damn, this really because Too Fast, Too Furious, while I have a soft spot for it, I and, and I do, I acknowledge it is not a good Fast and Furious film, but the Tyrese-Paul Walker chemistry goes a long way for making that enjoyable for me, but uh, the uh, the guy that they, like, brown face who's the villain, like, that's a giant, like, why did you fucking See, do this? The the fact that... Oh, sorry, we'll get we'll get ahead. into Too Fast and no, Furious, no, but I feel like Tyrese is doing so much of the heavy lifting in that. Like, I love Paul Walker, but there's a reason why Fast and Furious is a two-hander. He literally said to, like, the studio, I can't be the lead of this movie. It needs to be a two-hander. And every time, yeah. like, uh, Tyrese is like, this guy's crazy. He's killing people constantly. Like, you know, or something like that. Paul Walker would be like, yeah, I don't know. It is crazy. Like, he's given nothing back to him, you know? It's interesting. So... <laughs> So we'll, so we'll get into that, but so what I will say, just because I want to kind of go through yeah. each one, kind of give our thoughts, but so the first one is so, it's hilarious that that's what it starts off as, because, you know, it, it's a film that's very much a product of its time. You know, you get the opening uh, chase sequence where they're uh, robbing 
uh, that one truck of Panasonic, you know, TV combos, which was the first TV I had in my room. I went, oh, fuck, that's right. This is 01. Uh, seeing them stealing that shit uh, to uh, Vince, who I fucking hate Vince. Vince's when Vince died, I was so happy. I, I've never liked Vince since the hey, first but, one. But Hunter, where's Letty? I just <laughs> so where's Letty? Okay, so we so so you know what's great about Letty and about Michelle Rodriguez is when I see Michelle Rodriguez and stuff outside of the Fast and Furious films, I'm usually like, eh, like, like that's usually my that's usually my reaction. Like I I don't really care. But there is something about the energy she brings to this character that's really almost perplexing because I don't really see it outside of her playing Letty. But until I would say the until late in the sixth film, Dom and Letty's relationship in here, it just feels it's very basic in the sense of she's a ride or die. He's an alpha and they just get and they're just kind of together. Maybe because of happenstance, the movie doesn't really do a great job of telling you how they get together, but you kind of just accept it after a while. And as the films get later on, I to varying degrees, they do a good job of, you know, like solidifying that relationship. But in this first film, what I really appreciate is that while Dom is an outlaw and while you hear about, you know, these these things that he did, including beating the shit out of a guy with a wrench, uh, which got him put in prison, which I will say seeing uh, seeing uh, F9 is great context for where they, you know, plant that seed. I appreciate that they actually go back to that. But about, like, how do I put this? The films have a code, and Dom has a code. And I appreciate that very early on, the whole family aspect is really kind of hammered into your head from jump. And that while Dom is doing this dumb, evil, stupid shit, at the end of the day, it's family first and foremost. And and I think I and I think we've talked about this, but the films were maybe there to lessing uh, lesser degrees of quality. It's because they kind of lose that concept. Well, it's interesting because um, what Vin Diesel said because there was this great video that came out where it's get all the cast to sum up what happens in the Fast and Furious movies and Vin Diesel talked about how the first one is about uh, a criminal living a life by a code of honor and that honor becoming more honorable than a cop who is pursuing them from the inside and I was like wow that is uh, astute that sounds like a fucking incredible movie I'm not so sure that Fast and Furious is exactly that but it is lightning in a bottle because there's something that Lynn and uh, Vin Diesel establish later on that I feel like, yeah, they're actually weirdly right. Was missing about the franchise is mythology. I mean, yeah. When Dominic Toretto is introduced in the diner and he, uh, you know, he's all in shadows, almost like some weird, like, lighting. And he comes out, and, like, you know, it's about the tuna fish sandwich. That's all it is. And Vin yeah. is such a fucking born movie star when you watch that movie. Sorry, I'm going to go over it. Vin is such a born movie star when you see him on screen with the whole, you know, you didn't have me, you know, you know that whole portion, which he's... You know, you didn't have your car. You know, it's so charismatic. Yeah. You watch it, and 
imagine what this movie could have been where it's set in New York. It has yeah. Paul Walker as the main lead and Timothy Oliphant as Dominic Toretto. Which is a fascinating, like, alternate. Like, there's another alternate reality where somehow there, that film exists. And yeah. <laughs> I'd really want to see And that for film. all my praises of this, I think it is one of the worst directed. It might be the worst directed movie of the franchise. I, yeah, I'll give the you that. The assistant director, whoever shot all the car scenes, deserves, like, a huge round of applause because he created this franchise single-handedly. Him and Vin Diesel created this franchise and oddly enough, the charisma between Paul Walker, Jordana Brewster, and Vin Diesel. There's a reason why Ampersand works so well. I mean, it yeah. it's insane when you think about, like, when he's with Eva Mendez, which we'll talk about in a second. And then when he's back with Jordana Brewster, it feels like when Willie Nelson came for... It, oh God, Willie Nelson. God, what's her name in Temple of Doom? Willie Nelson. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, oh, Capshaw yeah, I know. In you're Temple talking. of Doom over back to Marion Ravenwood in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. As many issues as I have with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the fact that Karen Allen is back, like you, you see Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker on screen. Willie Scott, yeah. that's your thing. Willie Scott's your name. Yeah. And that final set piece, um, just to sort of close out on the Fast and the Furious, that final set piece is incredible. That entire Yep. robbing them you're it's edge of your seat cinema and then the whole moment when vin or not vin uh what's his name fucking uh oh my god oh my god we were just talking about him no 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 um, what's the what's the uh, guy's name no. you were just talking about how you hated him oh vin, vin oh vince vince, vin, vince. Yeah. uh vince steve <laughs> diesel <laughs> when he's bleeding out and freaking paul walker pulls out his phone and he's like hey this is special agent brian o'connor the tension could not be more palpable. It's yes. insane that that movie that is middling at best at some points and incredible to behold at other points manages to pull out that emotion from you. Yeah. But uh, moving on to... It, <laughs> oh. So 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 just yeah. real quick, one of my favorite shots, and, I, and people give me shit for this, and I go, I'm dead serious when I bring this up. That last... Uh, shape, uh, that last race between Brian and Vin, or, or between Brian and uh, Dom, where they go ahead and they beat that train, that slow-mo shot, that's an amazingly well-done shot, and you know, it's been shown in all the highlight oh, reels, totally. the highlight reels for, for you know, for the Fast Saga now, but independent of the Saga, that's just an amazing shot, and I remember seeing that in theaters going, oh shit, and that being a like a real big moment for me as far as, you know, the, the getting behind this franchise. But, um, but I, I don't think people give that first film enough credit because when you look at just fuck the need for speed games, Oh, a large debt to the fast and furious, uh, movies, just street to, racing know, culture. Oh, a whole, okay. Let's yeah. go even bigger. The two thousands is a decade. <laughs> owes a lot to fast and furious as a movie. That movie yeah. has a cultural impact that is undeniable. Yeah, I mean, even in hip hop, you know, and I, I there's this uh, video that you can look up as far as uh, rappers using uh, references just to kind of go ahead and get into the to get into the movies. Uh, apparently, that's how Cardi B uh, got brought in, which we'll talk about her when <laughs> when we review F Nine. But moving on to Too Fast, Too Furious, we've talked about how 
Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift really should have just like killed this franchise dead. Like how there's no reason that it should have been even given a fourth film. I hadn't seen Too Fast, Too Furious since the first time I watched it, which was a decade ago at least. So when I bought the box set, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, watch them all start to finish. So my partner and I have been rewatching them over the last couple of weeks. And the biggest surprise for me with Too Fast, Too Furious is that I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I remember enjoying it. But the big, like, glaring issue for me is that as fine as Eva Mendez is, my God, is she fine. Um, it's not even close to the chemistry that Brian has with uh, with Mia. And it's really felt, considering that uh, Eva Mendez's character is the one in danger. And we're supposed to go, like, oh, man, I hope he saves her. And I'm sitting there going, well, I kind of hope you do, but not really. Because there's really no reason outside of you wanting to just fuck her. Than, than for than for me I to think care. Almost like, there's no and, and this should just be said, just to get it out of the way for context. The next two movies uh feature Vin Diesel for like two minutes. Arguably yeah. maybe even 30 Correct. seconds. Vin walks on too fast, too furious. And you can feel a he said that the script was not up to snuff, is basically the narrative right now, which I think that is the biggest issue with Too Fast, Too Furious. It does not have a good script. It is just a Miami Vice knockoff. And I think a big issue is like every moment when they introduce a new character, like Eva Mendez or like Ludacris or like Tyrese, they're all supposed to be different characters from other franchises. And it almost makes the speed speed to cruise control issue where it assumes that just the power off of Paul Walker is what gives you a, you know, Fast and Furious movie. And I love, love Paul Walker. I don't think he's an incredible actor, but he he works well when he is with Vin Diesel or, you know, a, a few years later on. I think he could have had a Keanu Reeves thing going. I, I mean, they both starred in Point Break movies. So... <laughs> yep, exactly. Now, oddly enough, the surfer... Stars in the one about car racing, the one who drives cars around all throughout the John Wick movies. Stars in the one about surfing, so it it is interesting. But I do think that uh, Too Fast, Too Furious is interesting in that it introduces two of the best characters of the franchise, with Tej and Roman. Yep, it sets the precedent for these what are almost like Marvel solo movies before the team-up movies, which you were never expecting them to be. They were just failed sequels, At which all. is brilliant turn by yep. Justin Lin. And then yep. another thing that's interesting about it is it's directed by the late John Singleton, who is an incredible director. Like, yes. I'm not sure that anybody will, I mean, it's going to take a long time, maybe not in my lifetime, anybody will accomplish what he managed to accomplish before he died. It's insane that, like, I mean, Boys in the Hood is just a masterpiece. And came out, he just came out swinging as, like, this, people were almost positing him as the next Spike Lee. And he wasn't that. He wanted to make genre films. He wanted to make, like, Star Wars movies. And a big thing about him taking on this project is once he saw The Fast and the Furious, which came out same day as, like, Oh God, was it Baby Boy? Or at least it, it like ruined. Uh, came out. It was a couple years after Baby Boy. Uh, Baby Boy was a one. No, oh one was same year. 
Oh, was this? I just remember at least I think the Fast and the Furious overtook Baby Boy. But he talked about how he was so upset because he could have made that movie. He knew people from the street racing culture of L.A. He uh, he had a dynamic way to shoot. And you look at the difference between The Fast and The Furious and Too Fast and Too Furious. And it feels like when Joel Schumacher was heading the Burton Batman movies. It's insane. And oddly enough, you'd think like, oh, this is when they jumped the shark. But they ain't even like the most interesting thing they do is they jump a car into a boat. Which, which, oh my God! I I I cheered. It's so dumb. It's so goddamn dumb. And I for this it, franchise, I, holy shit! Like that is not nearly as bad as what we have coming up. But it is interesting to see John Singleton get to have fun and get to make a genre film, and he does take it too far. Some of the scenes where the NOS is sprayed out feels like Speed Racer. He took influence from Top Gun, and there's a lot of uh, very very lightly homoerotic stuff between uh <laughs> oh oh light okay so i'm happy you brought that up because i tweeted out that too fast too furious it's road to el dorado but with street <laughs> racing and i and i've rewatched the road to el dorado in the last year because you know covid and my god i i stand by that shit even more after rewatching too fast too furious like 10 days ago because it they they are doing everything but blowing each other in that movie. Even their fight is like when, you know, he's like, come on, Roman, I need your help. He's like, you left me locked up, bro. It's like, oh, fuck, this is. They, I mean, they got hell. some serious it, moonlight energy, like all over them. Yes. But what, what yes. is interesting, like, though, looking at it is um, that and I think culture has changed since then where it, it was super lambasted for being a gay film. And now at this point, it just seems more like a a little bit more on the bromantic side of how our culture has switched yeah. over. But um, I agree. I, I agree with that. I think what negates it is the fact that Paul Walker and Tyrese, while they have chemistry, I think Tyrese is doing so much of the heavy lifting. So it just feels like Tyrese is just loving on Paul Walker and Paul Walker's not really giving him anything back. So it's funny you bring that up. I actually think so. While so while Paul Walker is no Vin Diesel, and, and he will never be confused for Vin Diesel, him and Tyrese, their energy for me, it's I can't believe I'm saying this. It's it's very much akin to like Poe and Finn energy for me, where I just go, even if the script that you have is not good, and <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, but even if the script that you have isn't that good. Your chemistry, because uh, Roman fits in really quickly, and that's something I did not expect. Like even as far as him talking shit to uh, uh, Cole uh, Hazer's uh, Carter, uh, you know the villain in the film, Tyrese brings this energy that I went. I it's an interesting what if if this had been in the first film, like if you take out Ja Rule's character. Well, Ja Rule was, was going like, to be is ludicrous, yeah. I'm sure you heard that yeah yes which which thank god thinking about how yeah man you want to talk about dodging a bull could, could you imagine all that ja rule in these movies now like not you know like, you know really like, what it is it, and to tie it to the other podcast that i do but mission impossible three almost had ricky gervais in the simon Pegg role and yeah really Oh, shit. it's like an apt comparison to that. Where, like, could you imagine Ricky Gervais as the tech guy right now? No, 
Oh my god, that sounds oh that sounds horrible. God I is a lie him. and uh Ethan the camera's at the left, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, god damn that okay, I did not know that. That's really mind blowing to even think about Gervais playing because I love Pig so much in that role and just thinking about it being Gervais. Oh god, that makes me sad. But but thinking about Ja Rule. And the problem was, and John Singleton talked about it because I was watching the bonus features, that Ja Rule wanted too much money to, to come back. And they're like, nah, we're good. And Ludacris, who was a more successful rapper at the time, even he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to pay me, you know, this much. Oh, cool. I get to be in a movie about cars in Miami. Hell yeah. And Ludacris, bravo, sir. You made the right call because I'm sure Ludacris is being paid very handsomely now. For how many? Is it, God, how many has he been in since the fifth one? So was that one, two, three? He's doing like what four of these? Yeah, adding the second one. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Great call, Ludacris. Uh, my biggest issue with this is that they kind of just drop Eva Mendez's Monica just you know on the side of the road, as it were. I know Eva Mendez doesn't really act anymore. She's being uh, she's being mom to her and Ryan Gosling's you know supermodel children, but. Her not coming back really made no sense to me. And then not bringing, uh, uh, what's her name, Suki back? That was something I went, she has a very unique look. Suki's Just great. off that alone, I think. Yeah, I'm like, her and Tej had really good chemistry. Why not keep that going? So I think that's actually kind of a, I think that's actually a pretty big misopportunity. Well, do you know the whole headcanon with uh, the Suki thing? And I got to give a shout out to Brian Salisbury because he told me this one night uh, uh, over at Junk Food Cinema, which is a great podcast. And they just, they're wrapping up their uh, One Curious Summer um, sort of deal, which has uh, been fun. Uh, he was telling me that the common consensus, at least within the Deep, Fast and Furious fans, is that in six, when Ludacris talks, uh, talks to The Rock about getting cars... He's like, it sounds like a marriage. And he's like, yeah, but when you lose your car, they don't uh, take half your shit and run off. Take half your so shit. So the yeah. idea that maybe he and Suki had a failed marriage. Huh. Okay. It's it's so funny. I just watched that scene. Like, I have it pause on that scene in the background. I would take both Suki and Eva Mendez and have Eva Mendez weirdly give, like, goo-goo eyes over at Tyrese and have Suki come in and just give Ludacris shit as Ludacris is trying to give Tyrese shit. Okay. You That's know a what? dynamic I'm all in for. Okay. And mind all you, right, keep so- Eva Mendez being the badass that she is. Because holy fuck did the female characters shine in this new one. They really, yeah, they, they really did. And I love Endgame, there, but-, but like, oh my god. That the the girl power moments in this feel less like they're trying to hit a demographic and more genuine. Just crazy to say. Yeah, well, so I I won't go there with you, but I will say the girl power moments in uh, F nine were how do I put this? They were very pleasantly surprising because Mia. I and I we've talked about this. I know we're going yeah. around a little bit. Who cares? But. But Mia's been one of those characters where I'm like, you could be doing so much more with her, and I don't understand why you don't. And it really bothers me that you don't, and the movies just kind of go, whatever. And in this new one, she gets the most she's had to do since 
what the fourth one? I probably I'd say, say the fifth like, one. He's back in the fold. His fifth one. Okay. But yeah, she, it was a pleasant surprise to see what they do there. And in in Too Fast Too Furious, I think what I like about it so much, and I I believe I gave it a I gave it a C plus when I reviewed it. But what I like about the movie so much is that it's almost similar to like the Fast and the Furious's taking of Pelham one two three because I felt like the city of Miami was its own character, and so when Brian and Roman are getting help from all these other street racers. It does feel like a uh, family as far as helping them out, which is this character in the film that I went, oh, I didn't even think that this could be a thing. And yet Singleton makes it work in a way that I feel like elevates the material that's very meh. And I think in the hands of a lesser director, I would probably like this way less. But because of the chemistry between Walker and Gibson, because of Mendez and uh, Devin, uh, I think it's a uh, uh, Devin Iowa, yeah, and those and those other elements, it it averages to a decent at home experience uh, for me. But it's definitely not. It's definitely new. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, the thing the is, I think a yeah, big but, knock on it was that wow, we're doing ejector seats and uh, harpoon guns that take out cars and self-driving. Like, come on. This is a little too much after how yeah. grounded the first one was. Oh, no, it, it, it but is. But in also, hindsight, 2021. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it honestly, ironically enough, kind of sets the table for where we go. And so the one I actually have the least to say about is Tokyo Drift. I don't like Tokyo Drift. I'm just going to get out of the way. I think Bow Wow sucks. I think he is the, he just, he drags that movie down for me to the point that I really can't enjoy anything about it outside of Han. Han is the best Han thing the about best that movie. Han is the best character in the franchise. You say more so than Dom at this point? You say Han? Yes, 100%. Okay. Uh, Dom is okay. maybe like number five in his own franchise, which is fascinating to me. But I think that actually that goes okay, we'll, we'll uh, go that goes to the star power of Vin Diesel though that like he will let actors steal a scene from him. So do you think he's letting them steal a scene, or do you think they're just doing it like naturally? I think if Vin Diesel wanted to be on screen more often, he would be on screen more often. I mean, that, that's so much okay. of what fate is. Uh, but it is almost yeah, like we'll get Caesar and Planet of the Apes, like giving permission <laughs> and then Tyrese will just steal a scene. I mean, okay, Hunter, here's my big case yeah. for Vin Diesel versus the rock. And I think the rock is one of the most entertaining stars ever, but where Vin Diesel kind of elevated what Stallone crafted with the whole, Hey, always pay tribute to your history, make whatever franchise you have sing, you know, like getting deep into the mythology of your characters and really growing on the audience with earnestness. Schwarzenegger never really had a franchise that he was able to be the sort of auteur of. And uh, I feel like The Rock is trying to have it both ways where he's trying to like, you know, you look at the directors that he works with, he's not somebody who lends himself, like, we're not going to see a rock movie. I mean, we never will, period. But we'll never see a rock movie directed by Sidney Lumet about uh, the longest trial in New York where he's got hair the yeah. entire time. But, yeah. Um, and this will lead into sort of a discussion of Ampersand when we talk about it. Um, Gal Gadot would not, 
I don't think Gal Gadot, if she were introduced in a The Rock movie, let's say circa 2013, when they're at their peak, where Vin Diesel was at his yeah. lowest in 2009. Yeah. I don't think that Gal Gadot would end up really hitting and being Wonder Woman if Vin Diesel didn't cast her in Fast and Furious. So I don't disagree with you on that because I remember seeing her, uh, just to put a very quick bow on Tokyo Drift, uh, yeah, Han's the best character. Oh, oh I could, um, I got I a will, little bit to say about Tokyo Drift, but I'll... Okay, I will, the one thing I will give Tokyo Drift out of the, the original three is the best Thank directed. You. That's what I was about to say. That 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 is. I will give the film that. Like rewatching it, even I begrudgingly was like, "God damn it!" Okay, like like it's got fair. Sonny Chiba. In it, it is. It yeah. is cool that they bring it back to basics. It is actually like seeing the Tokyo Drift people be brought back into the fold. As of right now, feels like when Peter Parker shows up in Civil War. Like it's insane. It's insane. They change entirely who the characters are. But you you cheer yeah. a little bit when you see them, like, in your head. You're like, they're bringing them back. And I will say, uh, outside of Han being my favorite character and this weirdly being the most essential movie in the franchise because it brought Justin Lin, um, it's a really solid movie to play on the background while you're smoking on a dab pen. Like, it is that vibe. Okay. Because that soundtrack slaps. Okay. So the soundtrack is, so like I said, it's really Lucas Black. It's just, I just think he's even seeing him in F9, and I'm not going to go off about that. I was like, God damn it, dude. Like, you're in two scenes. Like, could you give a little bit of a shit? Like, try a little bit? Like, people would kill to, to be leading their own, pun intended, vehicle in the Fast and Furious films. Like, could you put a little pep in your step? Like, even that kid from Home Improvement's trying harder than you. <laughs> like, you need to, like... Yeah, so that's really my biggest gripe with it. But as far as the direction, direction's fucking great. And again, Han is that breakout character that, let's be clear, I highly doubt they went, oh, people are going to love Han this much. But Han just hit in a way that you go, shit, we need to run with this. And I'm happy they did because I thought he got the shaft in a way. I went, well, that fucking sucks. Like, I was liking you and, oh, you're off the map. Fuck. And luckily they realized what a mistake that shit was, but. Yeah, it's still an issue to me. I mean, I think the big thing about Too Fast, Too Furious and Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is they lack <clears throat> the pure machismo that is the first Fast and Furious. The first Fast and Furious is like an adrenaline-filled, like, watch with your dad movie. I think you'd have a hard time turning on yes. Too Fast, Too Furious or Tokyo Drift with your father in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, that, no, that, that, but that's you brought you said that these are essential and I can't disagree with you. Los Bandoleros is technically our next one on there. So I have to give you credit, man, because I was messaging you and I was telling you I was doing my rewatch and you're like, oh, are you going to watch the short films too? And I went, wait, what? And you're like, dude, wait, you don't know? I'm like, no, I didn't even know there were these fucking little short films. And so there's the one uh, prelude was a turbocharged. Who cares? Uh, it's a who cares one. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, so no, no. So you know, you say that, but I want to, I want to touch on that. I watch it every time, but who I cares? appreciate. <laughs> it. So here's why I care. I appreciate that film because Brian in the first film is not being dumb, nor should he be dumb. By the way, let me be clear. Like, there's no reason he should be being dumb. 
but the fact that it shows Ryan uh, Brian becoming a more competent street racer by actually winning races and earning his way from LA to Miami. I know a lot of people just kind of go like, eh, whatever, but I appreciate that they're showing that growth of him as an actual racer. And so when you, so when too fast, too furious starts with a pretty cool action, with a pretty cool race, might I add, you actually go, Oh, Brian has actually been doing this, not just sitting on his ass or like escaping. Like he actually has been, racing so i actually appreciate that the the uh the short film for that reason but with that said the film you're talking about um that was was that the first thing vin diesel directed no first thing he directed was multifacial then he directed that movie strays this is his That's comeback right, okay. to directing and his comeback to the franchise as Vin Diesel is made producer he's like well we need a short film to explain what Dominic Toretto has been doing between the gaps and he directs this 20-minute, like, pre-them doing an incredible heist at the beginning of Ampersand of uh, yeah. Han appearing, which you're like, oh, my God, okay, I guess these are out of order. And him meeting up with all the characters yes. and just <laughs> chilling in the Dominican Republic. That's it. That's really yeah. all that that movie yeah. is. And it's kind of cool. It's it's weirdly it's it's Vin Diesel's Guava yeah, Island. Yeah, it's intimate. It's like it's intimate and it is very yeah, Guava it, Island. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. It's nothing where you're like, oh my god, this is a standout. Have you ever seen Los Bandoleros? But it is one of those things that once you talk about it, you're just like, yeah, this exists. There's like a, a tone poem. Uh. But but it was so funny. My partner and I are watching it. I looked over at her a couple times. I went. I'm really fucking enjoying this. She was like, yeah, this actually makes me... Here's a key, key thing she said. She said, this makes me want Dom and Letty to make it to the end. That's a direct quote from her. I'm like, if that's what 20 minutes can accomplish with a short film, then the film did it. Well, what's crazy to me and... is that in uh, Fast... or Well, you know what? I'll call it by the original title, Justin Lin wanted it. Furious 6, when they show their montage of moments in the franchise... When they show all the emotional stuff with Dom and Letty, they're showing a lot of clips from Los Bandoleros. Because yeah. there really isn't much to draw on in uh, The Fast and The Furious and Fast Ampersand Furious. Yeah, I mean, they could have showed her him, you know, pinning her against the car hood or whatever. <laughs> showing that over yeah, and over well, <laughs> well, Wiz was like, uh, never fear death or dying. Oh, man. Yeah, that would that would go perfectly. But it's... But it's one of those things that I thought the cinematography on it was real. Like the way it was shot, I went, this this has some some edge to it and some scope. And I mean, for the budget being what it is, I was I was really really. I would not be shocked and, if Vin Diesel, like towards the end of his career, once he realizes, oh, I'm only doing action scenes where I'm seated or CGI. Uh I want to get back to directing and acting. I actually think he could run the gambit and go easily back into it, especially looking at how charismatic he was early on in his career. If he leans into the, I'm not the coolest, most macho person in the room and like find some honesty in there. I mean, he's got so many weird, sincere notes that he's able to hit. And I think uh, something before we get into ampersand, because it is a big thing. Something that struck me when I rewatched both Los Bandoleros and Ampersand Furious, which we should say Vin Diesel is in Tokyo Drift as a contractual ob- obligation. Uh, 
because he got the, the rights to Riddick because it wasn't testing well. Yeah. He is a different actor in Tokyo Drift. And then when we move on to Fast and Furious, he becomes almost a self-parody of machismo. He uh, he he's, he has like his gruff voice goes all the way to here when it used to kind of be up here, you know. It yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But uh, Hunter, lead us into Fast and Percent Furious. So this is the one for me that when I saw it, I went. So this is really technically the actual sequel to The Fast and the Furious. It, it, and so it acts as a sequel slash kind of soft mm-hmm. reboot in a, in, in, in a sense. And, and I remember seeing Michelle Rodriguez on the poster going, oh, man, it's so cool. She's back. And that sensation went away very quickly because they kill her 15 minutes in. I went, oh, shit. Okay. And the rest of the film really is... So I would say this is the most, outside of the first film, I would say this is the one that's taken itself the most seriously. This is the least fun of the Fast and Furious films, yeah. I would say, as far as kind of the popcorn aspect and all that. But ironically enough, that's actually kind of why I like it, because it's more... <sighs> okay, I can't believe it. This is almost like Fast and Furious Civil War, because, <laughs> because Brian... Because Brian is trying to hunt down that one, uh, uh, you know, the the one I can't remember. The, I think it's a drug dealer. Braga, uh, trying to hunt him. You mean played by Braga, John Ortiz, think, yeah. uh, co-founder of the Labyrinth yes. Theater Company in New York with Philip Seymour Hoffman, John Ortiz, who is villain for three movies in this franchise. Which, oh my God, you're right. He has, has been, yeah, because that's right. Because he pops up when uh, O'Connor goes to jail. If we're looking at right. this Anyways. in Avengers terms, he is Loki. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah, he is Loki, actually. But I I love that Brian's path crosses with Dom's in the way it is, because Dom is basically Bond and Quantum of Solace in this, where he is just really out to hurt anyone that had anything to do with Liddy. And this is where it leans more into the too fast, too furious aspects, where, you know, Dom goes to where a car crashes and turns into Bruce Wayne for five minutes and is able to. Play I always the say whole Will Graham or CSI. Sequence. He has like this criminal mind thing. But, but I always compare this to Rocky Balboa or uh, Rambo, where it feels like Vin Diesel is revisiting his roots. Okay. Are you getting like a weird interference on this at all? Or I'm, oh, I'm, I'm hearing not, like no. a little bit of clipped uh, myself, but that's okay. Um, Anyways, it's him going back to his roots, and it is a revenge story. Like, first and foremost, this franchise always genre hops. In the first one, it is a Point Break ripoff cop movie. Second movie is a Miami Vice cop movie. You could be like, okay, so the formula is cop movies. Okay, I get it. And then in three, it is a high school movie. A Karate Kid-esque sports film that is the only one really about racing in the forefront. Which technically you could be like, okay, yeah, I guess that's the one with the most substance. And that movie has its LA hipster fans. It's the In-N-Out Burger versus the uh, all, all the other ones. Uh, yeah. Versus the fucking Brazilian steakhouse that Fast Five is. Uh, oh, man, we'll get into that. So then we, we get will. into, yeah, Fast Ampersand Furious, which I feel like is often considered to be one of the worst ones. And I don't get why. I, I think either. it's well directed. It's, it's accurate. 
That opening heist is incredible. Yes, it, it gets is. a little into CGI land, which is one of the things I don't like about it. Um, yeah, but fair. having Vin back works well. Seeing him be on a quest when Mia and Paul Walker, oh my gosh, should just say the actor's name. When Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster meet together at a diner, it's like you ruined my life. And she, yeah, it's tense when she drops that. It, you're just like so like relieved to have them in the same place, and there's there's something about it all coming back, and maybe it is the fact that it is uh, one word away from being the title of the first one, and uh, the <laughs> ending parallels the first one, but it really does play off those same emotions of the first one while being a better directed film than it ever was. And I'm not, I don't think Fast Ampersand Furious is as good as the first one in my brain, but I do think it's trying to really bring things back on course, which is something that uh, with F9, I think should be discussed. Uh, but yeah, I I think Fast Ampersand Furious is just a solid, like, uh, to use the uh, spill slash double toasted vernacular, because I know we're both uh, fans of their work and shit, yeah. I saw Fast 9 with yeah. goddamn Corey next to me. Uh, shout, shout out to Corey, Corey Coleman, Coleman. K Cool Mans. Uh, it really, uh, oh my gosh, it it's a matinee. It's a solid matinee. So for me with that movie, that uh that mind that mind chase scene should have been a fucking nightmare, and yet it's shot in a way that I went, I can tell what's going on. I can't do that with 90% of the Transformers fucking films, and yet, and yet this incredibly what should be confusing car chase because of how well it's directed, I'm going, oh, I'm following this. I know exactly where we're going, I know exactly what's happening, what a fucking concept. Uh, it does admittedly get into some uh, shenanigans, especially with how uh, uh, this one, uh, the one evil villainous black guy, gets killed with with uh, <laughs> with. Uh, I can't remember if it's is it is it uh, is it Vin grabbing his is it Dom grabbing his ankle or is it Brian? It's Brian grabbing his hand. Vin has the car hit into him. He hits in the nos, which uh, to play the uh, smoking game slash drinking game that I've always had for this franchise that I will say the smoking aspect was added by my roommate, Alex, who is not a huge fan of the franchise, but really like nine, really like nine. That one sung for him. Um, smoke every time the NOS is played. Uh, that's just all I have to say. Oh Christ. That's, that's, oh, that's intense. That's Try watching too fast, too furious, smoking yeah. a bowl every time the NOS kicks in. Anyways. Totally fair. A <laughs> uh, live show idea for the real pineapple. Uh, so, check those Um Once it gets to its ending, it really does. Uh, it, well, oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. Lost myself in a train of thought because we've been smoking in the middle of this. So, Brian holds that him <laughs> down. He hits him the NOS. The car goes straight into him. Vin Diesel hits down and says, Pussy. And yeah. I can't remember who said it. I think it was Marco when we were at the end of Marco Naiola at the end of F9, where he's like, wow, he really spends a lot of time avenging people who are later found out not to be dead because he fucking hits that dude so hard. Also, uh, yeah. to basically uh, credit to where credits to one of the times I laughed the most on a podcast recently is when uh, Brian Salisbury released his uh, Fast and the Furious, Fast Ampersand Furious uh, episode. 
of uh, Junk Food Cinema. And he said, he called him a pussy. That's just unfair and untrue. He took a card of the chest. <laughs> I mean, that that's, that is fair. And But the way it happened, I remember just going, holy shit. I don't remember that at all. At all. It's the first but like malicious a... murder that is committed in the franchise. Yes. And it's, it's one of satisfactory revenge, even though the revenge is undone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. But, but the most unrealistic thing about that movie is that uh, Dom has a chance to fuck Gal Gadot and doesn't do it. I remember just going, bullshit, because, like, yeah, he just lost. Because he moves on kind of quick from Letty. Like, oh, hey, blonde woman. Okay, who was disagree. <laughs> Takes him about three movies to move on from Letty. <laughs> if this were okay, a revenge fine, film of the but... 70s, he and Gal Gadot would be driving away together. And I think that goes to the like. That, okay, that goes fair. to the like, nuance that. of uh, Vin Diesel, <laughs> to where he doesn't have like a Bond girl that he like gets at the end of the movie. Even in Fast Five, there isn't the implication that he gets the girl at the end. It isn't until six where you're like, oh, so she's living at that little beach house with them, <laughs> you know? With which which they do just kind of throw in. I went, oh, all right, that's. Yeah, right, I mean, that's right on, I things that I'd like to lock into a chest. But I guess I will say that I, I think that uh, one through three sort of started. I feel like four could have easily closed out the franchise with its ending. But one through three yeah. sort of uh, are a, its own contained trilogy of these disparate parts. And four, five and six sort of become like, here are the life of these super criminals. And I think that leads really well with the ending of four being awesome that's a great way to end the movie dominic toretto's in bars uh like there's a whole court case where it's like order in the court and like (laughs) paul walker's just like this is bullshit you know (laughs) this and then you have him rescue them from a bus which brings us directly into the movie that is the best of the franchise i'm just gonna so spoil my number one yeah yeah, so we have to talk about Fast. So Fast Five, it is one of the best action scene, uh, best action films in the last twenty yeah. years. I, I think it is a, I think it is a perfectly paced action film. Um, bring Dwayne Johnson in because let's let's be clear. I mean, Dwayne Johnson wasn't really Dwayne Johnson. Uh, he wasn't popping. He had done a lot of, yeah, he had done a lot of you know kids uh, kids movie shit. And people were kind of like, all right, like, are you going to... So, like, The Rock does... So, Dwayne Johnson does the rundown. And everyone, you know, myself included, is like, oh, hell yeah, this is what we want to see from The Rock. And then it's like he went, no, I'm good. And everyone kind of went, wait, what, like, the fuck are you doing? And then he just started doing all this random, like, the closest I think he even got to that, really, um... after that was uh, after a uh, walk uh, rundown. I mean, walking tall kind of, but then he did weird shit like doom and Southland tales. And you know, when we're kind of, I'm sitting there as a fan of his from wrestling going, all right, man, what are we, what are we kind of doing? But then he ended up doing, I remember he ended up doing get smart and I kind of went, okay, maybe he's kind of turned a corner, but then he goes and does, Plan 51, Race to Mitch, Witch, Witch Mountain, and then Tooth Fairy. I'm like, God damn it, dude. What are you, what are you well, doing? What he's but trying to do, run- sorry, sorry. 
What he's trying to do is he's trying to have the career that most wrestlers have in Hollywood. I think he realized, and this is something he's been trying to do since the rundown, that he needs to be Schwarzenegger. Like, he wants to be Schwarzenegger. And he's almost designed his career to be Schwarzenegger, which makes sense. I mean, as far as, like, uh, you know, an action franchise builder you can't get any better than arnold schwarzenegger but he also doesn't have it in him to give himself over to an actor or sorry uh he doesn't have it in himself to move it to give himself to a director and let them mold him like james cameron with terminator or all this and he i think the biggest thing with fast five which is my favorite of the franchise i think it's one of the most important films actually made in mainstream hollywood filmmaking of the 2010s and i say it with no irony at all it was the first big april release which later winter soldier took that from them it's doing the mcu building up the team before captain america the first avenger came out or thor back when iron man 2 was getting dinged in reviews about setting up other movies this one manages to blend together all these disparate parts into all these disparate parts and failed sequels into an action movie that genre, that um, genre hops from street racing to being Ocean's Eleven meets The Fugitive with cars. And The Rock, yeah. this is the first movie where he really shines to audiences and he plays this aggro asshole stealing, not stealing a role, but uh, being uh, repurposed from a role written to be played by Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. It's insane to me so i remember that so obviously fast five was a big turn but the two movies before that that the rock had were really important i know people aren't crazy about it but i think faster is a very underrated film i think it's a very film noir type film or the closest that dwayne johnson will ever probably get to film noir but i think it's a film that actually works much better than people remember because i just rewatched it maybe a year ago but then he does uh what's basically uh you know glorified cameo but then he does the other guys and you kind of got to see some of that charisma that we really hadn't seen from him in a while we go okay this is what you're capable of doing and then to your point he turns it into to fast five and we get we get someone who finally feels like they're an actual match for dom which is really important for uh, kind of getting Dom back into the fold because yeah, while Fast Ambersand Furious is about him getting revenge for Letty, there is that whole point of okay, well, what's next? You know, you have to go ahead and elevate Dom, and since Letty's off the board for now, you know, what do you do? And you bring in to your point this military, you know, super soldier essentially who is a fucking asshole and will basically level villages to get to Dom because, you know, Dom escapes from his bus in a hilarious way, might I add, at the end of... <laughs> they they show that at the beginning he, of Fast oh, I mean, Five, and that's, that's great. That's all great. I mean, he's playing the fugitive, but what's really insane is how the movie immediately, like, it starts off as sort of like a conclusion to Fast Ampersand Furious, and it has its... Yeah. First, it flips the bus to begin the movie. Then shortly after that, yep. they have a train robbery that is almost completely done yeah. practically. That if yeah. that were the last act of any of the Fast and Furious movies before that, 
you would be like, this is the best Fast and Furious movie made so far because it's such an incredible set piece. The way, I mean, I always love that shot where they're carving the inside of the train out and then you yeah. feel the vibration of the metal almost in your seat and then it flings out past two people and Dominic Toretto appears for the first time fully in this movie outside of stock footage in a wide shot. Yep. It, it's back to that myth building and once that movie ends the rock appears and the rock immediately retrofits every character into being something that they weren't before him where he's like what we got are a few professional runners uh people who can uh you know he says this whole like uh and above all else don't you ever ever let them get into cars like don't you ever let the samurais pull their katana out of the sheath otherwise we're fucked like (laughs) there's no idea of a car stalling up once they get into a car they're able to do whatever yeah no it's it's speed racer and but honestly good because this is where the movie really the films really start to embrace more and more you know and and, and i think we've talked about it's been a very gradual as far as them ramping up like how much can we get away with and and what i'll say it all the time it's like a magician not showing you all of his tricks it's him starting off of one trick okay. where it's like, all right, here's the ball. And, you know, like, I might as well be doing fucking Michael Caine in the prestige. Like, the trick is they don't want you to see the safe, you know, sort of shit. But it's yeah. it's interesting because you think Fast Five, like, okay, this has already cranked it to 11. How can we crank it past it? And there have already been five more movies since Fast Five, and they've managed to crank it past that every time. Which is, which is insane. Yeah. This franchise can go anywhere. But Fast Five is just but, a brilliant movie. I think, sorry, sorry, got to go on no, my tear good. about Fast Five. I think uh, as a heist oh, film, it's perfect. I think yes. even though there are moments where it feels like it veers away from the heist film, it does something that I've never seen in a heist movie before where people try to achieve a goal that happens in the heist. And they set out a ton of money and a ton of screen time to breaking through this uh, police station with these <clears throat> with these cars that can beat the blind spot of the camera. They spend about 20 minutes to it. They, there's yeah. Every character tries it out. They're like, we just can't beat it. All, what we would need is invisible cars. And then Vin Diesel looks over and he's like, we get exactly what you need, invisible cars. And then they go over to a police station and find an easy solution to a problem before. And I've never seen a heist movie that makes me feel like I'm a part of a heist because I'm sure there would be multiple points where you try something, it doesn't work out. And then you try something again and it weirdly grounds the movie. Also, every character introduction is yeah. great. I've never seen a movie where yeah, Gal Gadot's ass is uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the key points to uh, committing a heist, but it, that scene is actually really fucking funny and kind of smart. Well, being dumb. Yeah, weirdly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's dumb. dumb but smart. Even this is she, what these movies are. But even she acknowledges, like, yeah, this is a guy. Like, what do I know about men? Men love ass. Oh, let me go ahead and strip down. It's Brazil. And yeah, and, and Han's face sells that shit. Because when Han sees her, he's like, like I was. Like, goddamn. Like, he just has this look on his face like, you know. Also, name me another <laughs> heist movie where it really seems like people are as excited about the amount of money that they managed to pull off as the ending of Fast Five. That, so, 
I, I'm not going to go on a whole Snyder thing, but that was some of the Army of the Dead that was just like, you're stealing all this money. There should be some sort of hooray aspect to this because when they crack, when Tej cracks that safe and that shit swings open, the look on every, the, the look of just genuine joy on everyone's face. Yeah, honestly, if the Mortal Kombat theme had started playing and they just started dancing, I would have been like, yep, I don't blame it. Like, fine. I mean, Tyrese, this is when he establishes that he is the uh, Bugs, or not Bugs Bunny, the Daffy Duck of this franchise. Daffy Duck. When you see him have those eyes glow up and he's like looking at the cash and jumping towards the money like he's about to Scrooge McDuck through it. He looks, Roman looks so goddamn happy when that safe. If you opens, told me that but, was the gross of the whole movie and they were just like, we got it in cash form, here's what you guys get from it, I would totally believe you because it feels so genuine, which is strange to say about a movie where they tow a safe across Rio, which is an incredible set piece. And we just got to say that's a great set piece and get that out of the way. It is a great set piece. The thing I, the thing I appreciate about that scene as far as them getting the money, there's that slight bit. There's that slight bit of doubt that the safe may not. Open. Yeah, it's not a lot, but it's just enough to make you go, "Oh Christ!" If they went through all of this and they don't get this opened, then what the fuck do they do after this? And even Tej is like, "Come on, baby!" Like he, like he's nervous, and he's the one who says, "I can get this open." So the fact there's still that doubt, even though they went through all that shit, it's actually a really good piece of writing to make you go, "Oh shit, this could." Maybe not be the end of the movie, but of course it ends up being the end. But there's there's that whole set piece with the with the safe, which is just fucking wonderful. But the whole sequence of um, of Hobbs chasing uh, Dom in uh like kind of in that uh, amongst those like the favelas small houses like yeah yeah that that whole sequence is so genuinely tense tension filled as far as just them running no cars you're like oh wow like dom they like they might be fucked here and yet the movie does a really good job of bringing that tension but then there's a tension that they reach out to vince and they're actually kind of shacking up with him so there's the whole oh hey i almost got mia and i didn't oh that's right brian you're a cop and you kind of indirectly were the reason and the reason why i'm here now and not in the states you asshole so it draws on everything in a way that I went, oh, wow, someone actually thought this shit out. Go figure. I, I think it's interesting because uh, I, I think James Wan goes even harder on this in F7. But I think that uh, Fast Five has a lot of Justin Lin using a lot of the tricks that Michael Bay came up with for Bad Boys 2, but using them in a way that is better than Michael Bay has ever used them. Where you see these favela okay. chases and you'll have these shots that are just like, incongruous of like the impact of something hitting something else and in a michael bay movie it always feels like a lot but with justin lynn you can always track what's going on the favela chase is a great moment of that same with the entire heist vault chase some of the practical effects in that are just incredible and he throws them away i was actually i was talking to marco the other day about this i think michael bay is an interesting director to call one of the worst directors ever because if anybody were to take like a shot of one of his car chases they would like predicate their whole movie on that one shot and michael bay is able to throw it away i think the same thing with justin lynn which is actually very interesting when we get to six and uh nine but starting with uh fast five he really starts to like refine the blockbuster sensibilities where like 
And I always say this when people bring up like the Transformers movies versus the Fast and Furious movies. I always say Fast and Furious feels like when you played with Hot Wheels as a kid. The Transformers yes. movies feels like your pervy uncle grabbed all your favorite Transformers toys and tried to jam them together. And I like one and a half of those Transformers movies. Okay, two if you count Bumblebee, but it's not the same discussion. But we should get on to Fast, yeah. or sorry, <clears throat> Furious 6. So Furious 6 might actually be the one I think outside of four is the most underrated. And the reason for that is because I think Luke Evans is so goddamn good as he feels, <coughs> he feels like the T-1000 in the sense that his team just feels like a force. And, and Dom's team feels kind of screwed for most of the movie in that sense the um I I really love the kind of callback, even though it's not the exact same thing, of what uh Owen Shaw's crew has, those uh, little discs that like shut down car engines kind of go. To too fast, too furious. I just realized stuff. that within this yeah. rewatch. I'm glad we thought on the same page. Yeah, that was interesting. Same tech. Yeah, I thought so I love that because one, <clears throat> it's a great callback, and two, in too fast too furious. Brian gets the way Brian gets rid of that is kind of just by by happenstance of oh man I'm just gonna like pull on this really hard hopefully hopefully it comes out Brian actually uses skill admittedly incredibly lucky skill but skill nonetheless to get rid of that disc on his on his hood and again point to one of my favorite things about these films that Brian becomes a better driver with every single fucking one um and I love that at uh, at the end of like the first initial meeting between Owen Shaw's crew and Dom and everyone, that Brian is really the last one standing outside of Dom, as he should be. He's the one, and he only gets caught through this really shitty kind of turn of luck where you go, well, fuck, that kind of could have happened to anyone. And even when he hits that, you know, that car and flips, and he goes, oh, shit. Even the chick kind of winks at him like, like, all right, you were close. Like, you know, you don't get points for close, but good job. And I, I love the way that the action feels very chaotic. Is not the right term, but it feels almost it feels almost like you know, like vehicular war. There's a point where Tej, you know, even says that you know we're kind of going to war this time around. And yes, it's kind of a throwaway line, but everything feels like it has more weight. Not just because they are fighting, as Roman says, you know, they're. They're evil twins, which is a funny bit. Oh, totally. So, like, which I laughed really, which I laughed really hard at. Where, uh, where he goes, "Hey, Brian, where did you? When did you start modeling again, or something like that?" And and Brian flips him off, talking about the blog. I think but, so um, much of the first two acts of Furious Six really worked for me. I think the way how they introduce the team again is great. I think every line that Hobbs has is incredible. I mean, like, um, the last thing I'd want to do is be over at your doorstep delivering Girl Scout cookies. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) He has this great ability to, like, sell you on the movie following. And it works out really well throughout that movie. I enjoy a lot of the teamwork. There are some comedy bits that don't work for me, but more often than not, a lot of them work for me. And that first uh, first fight against what I will call the ramp car, is so yeah. much fun oh my god <laughs> it's yeah. just it's like wow okay you took all the tricks from the vault chase and you're going even more practical and 
I think one of my biggest issues with the movie is that the setting is not nearly as interesting as Brazil, especially coming right after it. I mean, a lot of my issues are that it's sandwiched between five and seven. And uh, five and seven just have better iconography than six. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. It's it's more like six is more uh, city, like just straight city based. So yeah, going from such a luxurious place like in fast five and then where they end up in seven i i get what you mean as far as seven being more of a globe trotting uh yeah even more so than i that. think yeah. a, no, another I one of the best uh action scenes i've seen in a film a blockbuster film in general that just felt like a hint of self-awareness that uh lynn actually doubles down in his next entry with nine but is the scene where tyrese and han are fighting against joe taslam from the raid franchise and they yeah. start getting into a bickering match about who's going to go first because, you know, you have the one, the whole trope of fighting one-on-one and they try and have a two-on-one and it just fails. It's just so funny yeah. to watch. And they both agree never to talk they about it again. Asses <laughs> and they get their asses whipped in a way that I went, you know what? Yeah, if you were fighting this guy, you this is kind of how it would I, I think down, the movie, but... or sorry, uh, I think the movie peaks no, during no. the tank chase, and then everything after okay. that sort of feels tertiary, except for the post credit scene. I, yeah, I really, uh, I, I think this is the one where they kind of jump the shark a little too far, too fast for me. This is the first one where it really feels okay. that way. I mean, once I have Dominic Toretto in a meeting with Hobbs talking to the like general of spain in a nuclear missile silo it starts to really feel a bit ridiculous as of this point but it making that jump allowed the franchise to make even further jumps so i'll respect it on that count i do and i always hate to be like oh yeah i don't like these critics who like try and uh fix movies but here's what i would do to fix the plot of this movie i think if you introduced kurt russell's mr nobody this would be like an eight out of ten movie I think he, if he came in like second act, you get a Kurt Russell who's like, we'll give you and your team everything you need, Dom, and like load them in on this uh, chase against a plane that, well, ridiculous is great. I just think it gets a little uninteresting in the middle of all the double crosses. So one thing I do, so one of the reasons why this is actually uh, uh, one of my favorite ones is that it actually, so I think it's the best Paul Walker performance because something that as, as much as I've given Paul Walker and rightfully so, one thing I've always said about Paul Walker in these films is that he does feel like the conscience of these films. And, and as we've talked about Vin Diesel's varying degrees of give a fuck in these movies, um, he, Brian really becomes so much more important as these films go on. And he's the one who actually does a very smart thing that, oh yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll get this guy for you, but we want full pardons across the board, which I went, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I'm kind of annoyed that no one, that no one else was immediately to go, hey, what about this? You know, like it's one of those things that just makes logical sense. And I went, yeah, that, yes, thank you for addressing that. And I love when, Luke goes, yeah, you know, I can't promise that. And without missing a beat, Brian goes, yes, you can. And I just went, okay, man, you're owning the room in a way that I really like seeing this side of you more. And 
I've always been more uh, in Brian and Mia's corner than uh, Dom and Letty. I've just, I just they're the only grounded people in the series is at this point. That too, and it's one of those things that when I see them interacting, as far as what this could mean for them, as far as you know, God making their family whole again, you kind of go, okay, this makes sense why you would take on this mission and. Bringing Michelle Rodriguez's Letty back into the fold, which admittedly, <laughs> while we got justice for Han, the explanation for Letty coming back is just, it's basically, hey, we were able to settle this contract dispute. We had to find a way to write her back in uh, 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 here. <laughs> what it really is, is uh, like sands through the hourglass. So too are the fasts of the furious. Like, <laughs> come on. It, it's pure soap opera shit. I don't, I don't necessarily hate it oh, by yeah. any stretch, but it is. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I had a good time with it. I really just feel like my fun starts to diminish during the uh, airport hangar scene, which I just feel was less entertaining or visually interesting than them chasing a tank. And I know it was originally planned to be two movies. So. Oh, really? I yeah. Didn't know with the airport chase being another one, it really feels like it. And I think Justin Lin has even said so much in interviews that he really hated that he had to cobble the like set pieces of two different movies together and wishes he could have just made six its own movie. And that's a big thing with uh, uh, 10, 9, and 11, is he feels like he's getting room to breathe with them, which is crazy considering seeing 9, how much they put into that movie. Yeah, which we'll... We'll, we'll talk uh, about. We'll get there. So then that takes us to... That takes us to Fury 7. So, so sorry, real quick to put up on 6. The last thing I think this film does brilliantly. And I Are mean we talking post credit scene? That, uh, so we'll get there. But Letty, the fact that we have Letty and uh, Gina Carano's Riley. Oh, yes. When Letty is brought back into the fold, she's working for Owen Shaw because she has, she, she can't remember shit. And so that first fight between Letty and Riley, which is a great fucking fight, you're going like, all right, Riley, beat some, you know, knock hit her in the head and make which we'll remember, you know? And, and then when it makes a turn, you find out, Oh, Riley's been working for Shaw this whole time, which while you could probably see it coming the way the reveal was done, I thought was actually very mm-hmm. well done. I went, okay, I really liked that. So then when we get to the last fight between Letty and Riley, you're the film's done a great job of getting you right back on that Letty hook and being like, all right, Letty, like time for you, you know, earn your way back into the family and it really does it's manipulative as fuck but it works really it's also well. one of the so thing that, I, things that have aged the best about this movie despite the character the actor gina carano being a piece of shit irl is the whole wrong team bitch kill and i think that's like yeah. one of the saving graces of the airplane scene it always was and now it's even magnified over the years yeah, and it's just, I stand by it. Killing Giselle just really bothered me. Like, I just went, really? I was like, uh... I think like, it, it works it for me works with me. character development for Han. It, it really did invest me into it, but That's I fair. think the way how the movie kind of forgets about it is unfortunate. Yeah, and I, it should have been a bigger deal considering how much they are talking about starting their own life together and everything. I just le- left a bit of a sour taste, but I digress. So, the yes, yeah, so the mid credit scene... 
if you want to talk about that, I will I will give you the holy floor. shit, man. This mid credit scene. Um, so we're we're brought swiftly back into Tokyo Drift. You're seeing the POV of a cop pursuing whatever race car is happening, which is an interesting thing for this franchise. You never really get to see the POV of a cop just like looking at a chase earlier on in the franchise and you see what happens and you get a different angle on it and that silver car hits into han han is murdered and out from the car comes jason statham we have no idea who jason statham is we just know the star jason statham at this point it could be chef chelios it could be frank martin from the transporter series he gets out and he says dominic toretto you don't know me yet but you're about to. And, and that's it. You're so much more psyched for Furious 7, which um, that title, that title is just already a selling point. And Furious 7 is James Wan this time at the director fold instead of Justin Lin. James Wan, a director who I'm always rooting for, even if I don't love all of his movies. And I think you can probably agree with me sort of on there. Uh yeah. Oh, uh, same. I, I when when Juan hits, he fucking hit. Like while I'm not crazy about Aquaman, that trench scene in Aquaman is so fucking well directed. It's 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 a dazzling sequence. Like it it actually made me go take a step back at how greatly directed just that bit is. But he he should have gotten like a best director given the circumstances award at the Oscars for what he did with Furious 7, because Paul Walker had only shot about 40% of the movie, mostly expository dialogue, which was a lucky accident. And Furious 7, to me, is one of the best of the franchise. It sets up a revenge story for the death of Han that you didn't even know was something you needed avenging. You thought it was just some dude on the track, and it's Jason Statham retroactively becoming the Thanos of the franchise. Like, he was there all along, just pulling the strings. And you get this amazingly cooked action movie, especially when you get to, A, the introduction of Kurt Russell, and then, B, the skydiving with cars down to the forest chase against a battle bus run by Tony Ja while Jimon Hansu is like fast in pursuit it becomes one of the craziest moves and that's sorry that's even before an incredible The Rock versus Jason Statham fight which is so that whole so here's one reason and you know we'll get into it but I have Furious 7 very high on my list. And one of the reasons I have it so high on my list is that it has the balls to take Dwayne Johnson and put him on the bench for most of this movie. And it still works as well as it does. And I remember when they took him out, I went, really? Like, I was shocked. I was like, really? You're gonna Until you this? realize it's like the and- Hulk and the Avengers where you're not seeing too much yes! of him. <laughs> you yes! see just enough to know because- his power. And he's taken out of the playing field. Then when he gets back in... So I was so happy. I didn't see the trailer where he flexes his cast off. I didn't see that trailer. Man, he's got to go to work. That's in, the, that's in the final trailer, and whoever made the decision to put that shit in there, poor shit. No, no, no. Because I'll disagree. I'll disagree mo- because it was funnier in the movie when you see that moment where he flexes out of the cast because you, for months, thought he was talking to his bicep and calling it daddy. 
You didn't realize that he was referring to himself because he has a daughter. Okay, that's so the only defense that, I have for it. But yeah, that that is kind of the most damning thing about the whole Fast and Fre- Fre- Fast and Furious franchise as a whole is that Hobbs is a dad and he's a better dad than better parent than anyone else. In the he's franchise. a better parent than anybody else I see in movies. I mean, that's the whole bit with yeah. the Hobbs and Shaw, which we'll talk about. But yeah. Yeah, but that shit was hilarious to me because I went, wait, you have a daughter? Because even Dom's like, kid, what? And he's like, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like Hawkeye's like, yeah, of course I have a family. You didn't know? And everyone's like, no, man. He's like, oh, all right, well, here's everybody. It's like, God damn it. All right. But but Hobbs is put on the bench for most of the film. And so it really is everyone else, you know, stepping in to step up. And for me... I love Kurt Russell in this. I love Kurt Russell so, so goddamn much this. in this. This was, I didn't know I needed Kurt Russell in this. But well, that's I what Kurt the franchise Russell. does all the time. They pick these like deep cut people. Like if Bruce Willis were to appear in one of these, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's unfortunate, but like it makes sense. Bald actor, yeah. famous for action movies, kind of has a legacy thing. But then they'll pick somebody and say, like, Jean Hansu or uh ryan reynolds or freaking uh oh my god uh kurt russell or helen mirren like it they always pick these deep cut like tony jaw or joe taslam sort of additions and you're just like wow this movie just knows who its audience is and is satisfying that audience yeah like like he he just slides in it just feels natural when he comes in and you just go oh it you feel like he's been there the whole time. It's like, okay. And even bringing in um, uh, Natalie Emanuel to play Ramsey, she, when they bring her in, I went, okay, she's actually competent. She's not just the damsel because, you know, I think we've been trained by Hollywood movies to just, you know, have that. I think she is a, a used a little like bit they, as a set piece here. Not in a bad way. I mean, a little you, bit. when you got hot potato between her and different cars, which is a lot of fun um it is it it starts to get interesting um i will say one of the one of the more interesting things about furious seven which god i love saying that title that's such a great fucking title uh one of the most interesting things about it is that uh kurt russell was supposed to be brian o'connor's dad and that was the introduction to the fold but they were so early into shooting that they weren't able to shoot any scenes with paul walker and him together mm. and they retrofit okay. it which is funny because then you have uh scott eastwood trying to be paul walker and yeah. he's will nobody yeah which is uh it, it's interesting but anyways uh furious seven is just uh so well made it's really fun to see james wan play on uh all of the tropes of like a Michael Bay action movie and an eighties action movie and just deliver this perfect package that is made out of like, whenever I think about him directing this after having lost his star and, you know, just joining on in the franchise at this point, after somebody having held the series for three movies now, four movies now, I think to myself, like, you know, Tony James Wan was able to build this in a cave, a box of scraps. Whenever I look at other movies, nice. and I think uh, we need to dedicate a little bit of the time that we're talking about this to talk about the Paul Walker tribute, which I 
think was so, I mean, it really hit the world by storm. It's still the highest grossing, I think, of the whole franchise. Yes. So the thing about Paul Walker's, about Paul Walker's death, um, I, Pour one okay. out, by so the way. it's kind of similar. Poor yeah. damn. So it's kind of so it's kind of similar to Ledger's death in that sense of now there's way more stuff I liked Ledger and then Paul Walker, but it was one of those things that when it hit me, I went, "Oh, that sucks." And then a couple days later, I kind of went, "Oh, this is actually kind of lingering with me," and I didn't expect it to. And I'll be the first to admit, I wept not cried wept at the very end when they have that because i because i'm sitting there watching going okay you have to kind of tie this off with brian what the fuck are they gonna do and one of the things that's always been you know um the thing in the franchise even back to i can't remember if it's fats i think it's very it's the first one where they have so so not no so not oh, that, fast but, five that uh, race but, the the race that he cheated on they even do it in four. Yeah, they, keep, yeah. they keep going, who is the better racer? It's yeah. almost like El- and Apollo lo- Creed and uh, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, and I love that whole sequence that it, it that the fact that it ends essentially where it started. It's like, okay, that's very apropos. Um, and that was Khalifa's song, that, that CU gives, that song, that, that will be, that is this franchise's uh, CU, uh, um, I'll Be Missing You. Like, it's that song that will define the franchise once it's done, whenever it's actually done, which will it's be It's one of the craziest soon, snubs for best original song. I also would it like really to is. bring up that uh, a lot of spy movies came out in 2015. You had uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. You had Melissa McCarthy's Spy. You yep. had The Man from UNCLE. You had <laughs> Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. You had Spectre. Yep. And you had Furious 7. And Furious 7 is on the upper echelon of those movies. And James Bond is dead last on those. Yeah, because Spectre, it's it's so funny how they tried to, you know, retroactively fit Spectre into Craig's Bond films. And yet, you know, we we were talking about it off mic that maybe no one outside of uh, outside of Marvel right now is better at retconning their own canon than the Fast It goes and Marvel, Christopher McQuarrie, and yeah, Fast and Furious. I mean, nobody else, nobody yeah. else is able to string together these disparate parts in the same way. And it's really hard with Bond. But uh Seven, I mean, Seven is like that is the it's a revenge movie for a retconned revenge. Like that's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. And the thing about Statham too, Great so villain. Statham does Yes, so Statham does spy, and you and I'm going to give you credit for this. You have said that uh, Vin Diesel uh, is long overdue to have his his version of spy, as far as that comedic <coughs> action role. I don't know if he's he able to do into. that though. I think we've talked about this. I, that's one of the more interesting things to me. I don't know that he's able to do it, but Statham has always been one of my guys. I <laughs> like he's one of those people who like well being that image of machismo like the rock or like vin diesel i mean him coming aboard this franchise almost felt like the expendables like this era of the expendables because the expendables is like we're all past our prime this is like we're in our prime right now let's get this done baby and him coming into the fold like he has like a lee marvin young michael kane energy 
where he okay I can, he's I can got see like that. this just raw like masculinity and he he feels like he's always game for whatever they're doing even in this franchise which kind of he falls victim to a lot of awful writing i'm never like i hate statham i hate his character but i hate i never hate statham i think he's always charismatic so i'm a huge fan of both crank movies because those films know exactly what they are and in the insanity in which uh, uh, the insane sandbox in which they're playing um I also am a big fan. I'm a huge fan of The Meg. I know some people hate that movie. I don't care. I think The Meg is fucking wonderful. And it's that sort of shit that he should be doing. And even Wrath the Man, which I just Oh, saw, I need to watch that still. So I'm really yeah, excited to watch I, it. I, 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 I enjoyed Wrath the Man. But um but even going back to 08 with the bank uh with the bank job, like Statham has shown he can do this shit and do it, you know, well. And to your point, bringing him into this franchise, he just has this, the, he has maybe the best intro scene out of any character in the franchise, uh, in the franchise, because he goes to his brother and tells him basically, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this right. And then you see him walk out and you see all this destruction he's caused. And it's like, God damn, like he is not to be fucked with. And it sets the table for what he's going to bring to the franchise um, right there within five minutes, you just go, okay, man, I'm, I'm excited. Sadly, to kind of... the next part really, uh, talking about fate of the Furious. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. into that, but I, I do think, uh, just allow me to go a little bit more on Paul Walker's, uh, tribute. Please. please. It's something that no other franchise could do the way how it manages to bring in that Charlie Puth, Wiz Khalifa song where it's almost breaking the fourth wall. I mean, Tyrese has a moment where he says things are going to be a lot different now, and you can see him holding back all of his tears. But the idea of the scene isn't so much like, oh, he's dead, and isn't this sad? The whole idea is like, look at what he accomplished, and now we're going to use... Oh my God, I'm about to get choked up thinking about it. We're about to use the narrative of the franchise to give him the happy ending his life could never give him. Like, that's yeah. so like fuck, man. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those Ooh. things that when when so the montage they play as like him and Dom are like going to like the the starting point for the for the last race. I'm just sitting there going, okay, I've seen all these up to this point now, and just seeing all the montage, you go, fuck. He's been, you know, I, I keep calling him the conscience of these films for a reason because when he's there and him and Mia, man, whenever like they rely on like, uh, uh, Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster for drama, that's when a movie works more for me. Like all of my top ones, yeah. uh, except for F9, well, you know, to some extent, F9, uh, rely mainly on that drama. There's something weird about it, but uh, I think. And I'm sorry to just completely derail you at this point. I, weirdly, that montage oh, images gives you the same feeling that you feel at the end of Boyhood <laughs> because they've gone through so many different hairstyles and, you know, they're always of the date that you're just like, oh, my God, we've been on this journey this long. Wow. You know I'm right, though. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you pulled a Boyhood reference to Fast and Furious, but I get yeah, exactly it. it I mean, this that. franchise is going to bring us down some weird roads. I mean, if this were a wow. Star Wars... <laughs> discussion it wouldn't have the same weight oddly enough 
Yeah. Because when but... we talk about Carrie Fisher's death, we could be like mishandled. And I think uh, just to sort of close out six, I think uh, Juan handles everything Paul Walker CGI related with a deft touch. I mean, it's yeah. mainly yeah. during action yeah. scenes. He's never in close up that often until the end. And even when he is in close up, the CGI is so good and he looks almost angelic. I mean, he always had that look. Yes. But, it... you know. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty. But he's the yeah, prettiest blonde that we all know. Your, right. Yeah, that's a quote, Roman. But to your point, though, that's a, and I think I said something almost verbatim, um, on when we reviewed it, is that I felt like he looked, he had this angelic look to his face that the CGI never even crossed my mind. I went, oh, that's him. And so when they, so when he drives off and the roads actually go Four. and split, you go. Yeah, you just go, God damn. And I remember, again, at that point, I was, oh, shit. Woo, okay. None of that. Um, I was genuinely weeping. And I was, um, I wasn't with my partner at the time. But I remember just being in the theater just, like, by myself. Um, just crying into my fucking jacket. I'm like, oh, I can't believe Paul Walker's deaf hit And like Vin like, Diesel's weird, like... You know, whether you're a quarter mile or, you know, like his poem that he pretty much yeah. writes to, whether we're a quarter mile away or whether we're halfway around the war world, we'll always be together because we were brothers. And then you get the, oh, it's just Bravo filmmaking. And like, what's crazy is that it, fork it is. in the road, it, it almost feels like, uh, you know, like the whole, I said it earlier with the Rocky franchise with like, You'll never know whether or not Dominic Toretto or Brian could best each other because it doesn't matter because these two men loved each other. And then yeah. you continue Skyward to for Paul. Like, shit. They, there was not a dry face in the fucking theater when I saw that movie. Yeah. I remember that just, that hit me in this way. So I think I had that at my number, I think I was like my number six favorite film that year, if memory serves been a minute but i but i remember i had it really high up because i went this could have been a fucking disaster as far as handling paul walker's death and they somehow found a way to make the film still work with all the other you know plates it's insane and still and give him a proper send-off and you just like just on just off that alone i have to go it has to be a top 10 film of that year but it's it's ridiculous how well it's handled and we see you know, and I'm sending all the good vibes to Ryan Coogler because I am admittedly concerned about Black Panther Wakanda forever, but Coogler's one of the best in the biz. I know he'll he'll do great with it, but we've seen what happens when this, this you know, I mean, fuck, look at someone like Nolan with Dark Knight Rises, that film. Oh, that, yeah. Considering, yeah, I mean, we can see what happens when, you know, you lose one of your key stars and you just can't craft a narrative around it and the fact that Juan was able to do what he did with this film um to your point I think it's almost understated to a point how like how big of a blow that was and you could make the argument and actually I would make the argument still that they're still feeling that blow oh they still are I, they don't they haven't made a movie better yeah, than seven just, since seven I agree with that and it's just like uh okay now obviously I think to an extent there's a floor now but you, I'll, I'll you know i'll bring this back up in our uh in the f9 review but 
I have a little bit of concern. This is the best way I can put it. I have a little bit of concern of how you end this this main story without Brian being involved. I do have a little bit of concern. Not a lot. That's fair. But just enough that I'm kind of like, uh, okay, because they have to put a capper on it. In theory, they have to kind of tie up the loose ends for the, you know, Hobbs and Shaw 2 and the spinoffs and all that shit. But what do you spin off? I now, first off, I think I think Han should be get his own. I would take movie. a Han and Giselle movie right. set between Furious Six and where we are I, now. I'd be down for that. Uh, so, yeah. Oh man, so badly do I want that. Uh, but I am going to say I I think I'm just looking at my time wise. I think it would be best to actually kind of just condense down fast nine to a few words because i'm not sure whether i will be able to make the review tonight okay fair enough but we'll um, we'll get there so because so, i know we have eight hops and shaw and then nine and we're giving our rankings so, anyway we'll make, so like exactly so we'll we'll, we'll get we'll through, give a pocket uh, review we'll and uh if i'm able to come back i will but i'm not sure last minute plans yeah fair <laughs> enough um so Fate of the Furious, this is the one that I remember a lot of people going, what happened? And I will be the first to admit, I saw it in theaters, and I remember leaving it and going, huh. That was the exact <laughs> the exact term I used when I left the theater. And my partner was even like, well, is that a bad huh or a good huh? And I'm like, I don't really know. I'm going to need to kind of sleep on it. So I remember that's one of the few times I've delayed a review past the weekend it comes out because I really was like, I don't know. So I actually saw it again, which is something I haven't done. Same. This is my first time rewatching it. it. So I actually, so I actually saw it twice that weekend though. So I saw it that Saturday and I saw it that Sunday night because I was really sitting there going, I don't know where I fall on it. And my biggest gripe with this movie is that while Dom is being blackmailed because of uh, this this kid that he had, which, you know, not, which I remember just laughing because I went, God damn it, Dom. Like, I know, like, I know he moved on from Letty, but but condoms? No, man. Like, no covering your it, gas tank. I <laughs> mean, Harley <laughs> Theron even brought up the comparison to Genghis Khan in the new one. Like, he, he's responsible, like, a third True. of the bloodline is Toretto. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think eight eight is a movie that I actually uh, came to appreciate a little bit more. I do think it's nigh unwatchable. I think there's really? so much about that uh, about Fate of the Furious, which uh, directed by F. Gary Gray, who I think actually does a pretty admirable job considering the script he's handed. I think there are some set pieces okay. that are just incredible. I mean, I think F. Gary Gray, well, he is not always on. When he's on, he nope. has Friday and set it off and straight out of Compton. Like, he's, yep. I mean, I know you love The Negotiator. I still haven't seen it, which uh, oh, great I'm, I'm great excited show. to watch. I just recently watched a lot of Biting Citizen. And if that isn't a movie that's weirdly made for me. Oh, God. So that movie's so great. Yeah, totally. No, no, no. I totally work. agree, but it's bonkers. But I think he has, he has yeah. a lot of fun. He does a lot of cool set pieces in here. I think that this is the one where the behind the scenes issues become far more apparent. The feud between Vin Diesel and The Rock okay. is felt. And I think yes, while making Vin Diesel a villain in this movie, which is a, a choice that you can definitely make when you're eight movies in, 
I think that yeah. once you once you set the floor by about eight <laughs> movies, you can easily be like Dominic Toretto has gone rogue and still have it sing. I think this is the one where my disconnect between Vin Diesel versus The Rock really starts to come to fruition and where I really start to feel a loss, not just of Paul Walker and by his extension, Jordana Brewster, but uh, Sung Kang, Giselle, shit, even the, I mean, they're in it for a small window, but even the two Dominican twins who should have been in seven and six, um yeah you don't see them anymore uh tio and santos i believe their names are i i usually manage to have that just at hand but i'm a little bit a little bit wine drunk uh and very very stoned because this is a real pineapple uh recording and i I see hunter with the joint and we gotta we gotta live up to that fate of uh the 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 pineapple of the joint joint. yeah uh (laughs) <laughs> I think that the only scenes where the rock who is technically the lead of the team throughout this entire movie really manages to shine is with Deckard Shaw, which in turn is another issue I have with it because Deckard Shaw is retrofitted to be a part of the team, which is fine. I think you could make that work, especially if it's like, okay, well, Tyrese is in the car with him and he's like, I don't want to sit next to this sociopathic freak, but the only person he endears himself to is the person he has the least reason to endear himself to because the rock is trying to set up a franchise. So I, so I just rewatched it uh, like 10 days ago. And while I think I like, so I gave it a B when it came out, like I went back and listened to my review because I I hadn't heard it. And while I like it more, I can't change my grade. I think a B, I think a B is fair for it because while I do enjoy bits of it, the Toretto going rogue thing, he's even for going rogue and for this being his supposed family, he is a fucking asshole to them. Like to everyone. Like really crashing their cars in ways that I'm like, God damn. You have dude, no like, idea whether or not they survive like, that. <laughs> yeah, like 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 you could get these pieces without this much much destruction. And there's even this point where it feels like they actually have Dom. And for half a second, I went, oh, they actually might have him. And then he does, he does this thing that should kill all of them. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, and again, I understand we have to suspend this belief to an extent. But even with Letty, Letty's about to get fucking shot and or raped. And Dom shows up at just the right moment to be like, let her go. I'm just like, I will uh, say one, okay, one like, pro to Dom as a bad guy. Uh, mm-hmm. That mask he wears is real sick, though. That, that, <laughs> that mask, mask is so it's, badass. It's, it's, that, I'm true. like, really? You're only wearing this for a little bit? I want Evil Dom to be wearing this mask the whole movie, man. So the big thing for me that elevates this movie is... So first off, Charlize Theron is too good to be in these movies. I, I, I don't care what anyone says. She's way too That's good fair. to be in these. And yet... And goddamn though, like her kind of Karen mom Hannibal Lecter shtick is really like. Are we talking like, about a nine? It works. Uh, uh, oh, we're actually talking about fate. We'll get to nine, but here though, where she's being very like, you know, everything is a choice. Like if you do this, then I'm gonna do this. And shooting Dom's baby mama in front of him while the kids in the room. 
that's some gangster shit. And that was something that I forgot. I went, oh, shit, I forgot she did this. And that's fucked, but kind of adds some needed gravity to this and kind of makes I agree. And I I think, and, and this, I think this is the movie that, okay, had you asked me when I saw Furious 7, who would you take or leave out of the franchise? The Rock or Vin Diesel? There's a feud going on. I would say fucking Vin Diesel can take a walk I'll take the rock the rock knows how to like make these movies fun but there is something there was a review I can't remember it's like Variety Fair or something EW where the rock talked about the movie Rampage and I I haven't seen Rampage admittedly don't don't there it was going to end with the giant gorilla dying and the rock said absolutely not and they were like, well, narratively, this makes sense. And he said, when I star in a movie that stars the rocket, I'm signing a contract with people. They don't need to have complicated feelings about what goes on on screen, is what he said. He said this in a, as a point of pride. Oh, that's... And uh, I don't think we'll uh, ever see a Hobbs and Shaw movie or uh drew or, you know whatever franchise he has whatever movie i don't think we'll ever see a movie with <laughs> the rock betraying the people that he considers to be family because his girlfriend and baby mama is held hostage and she ends up getting shot in the head like i'm not saying that it's good it's bad. Yeah. It's not like great shit, but it is at least like emotionally impactful. And, and I, yeah. it's going to lead big into my thing with Hobbs and Shaw, which I've already written what you would call a hit piece on Hobbs and Shaw. I do like <laughs> yeah, Hobbs we, and we've Shaw. Talked about I it, will but... say I like Hobbs and Shaw more than I like Fate uh, of the Furious. Okay. So the big thing for me with Fate of the Furious is that the whole submarine bit, while I can excuse some of it, and I'll be honest, a lot of the my excusing of it comes because of Roman. I was going to say, Roman is incredible like, in this movie. He carries this movie a lot. He, he really does. And that, that whole sequence where he's riding the car door, while it's, you know, while it's silly, there is that weight to it because Roman... Roman's in genuine peril during this bit. And I went, wow, okay, I'm actually concerned that you actually might you know die right here and uh his car going under the ice and all that like there's some actual great moments of tension where i went oh shit this is not good and and like i said charlie staring she's really she's really great and i i I think in the role and seeing the team's kind of inner turmoil as far as like what the fuck is dom doing um plus we get helen mirren oh yeah which was a nice which was a great surprise. I was like, oh, shit, right on. That well, makes me happy. Her and Vinny so, D are friends, which is crazy. Which is so right. random. But like that but that feels like something that would that feels so Vin Diesel too, that he would just be friends with Elmir and randomly. So but there's stuff about this movie I really, really do enjoy. It's just some of some of my believability, even as especially for as serious as this film is taking itself with Dom going rogue. It 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 feels like maybe the most out of the film since even Fast, Ambersand, Furious, 
it feels like the tones are clashing because it wants to be the serious film, but it doesn't know how serious it wants to be. But there's a kid involved, so you know, there's more weight to it. But then over here, you have Roman and Ted, it, you know, cracking. You just feel the onset drama. I mean, you feel the rock going one way, yeah. which I mean, you are relying on the rock to lead the team. And you really start to feel the absence of Vin Diesel with Fate of the Furious. And I'm not saying that Vin yeah. Diesel like is even my favorite thing of the franchise. I mean, I'm literally, he's like number seven, but there's something about him, fucking Mia and Paul Walker that adds something. Somebody's like hella loud outside. I'm not sure if it's picking up on here. <laughs> the- no, you're good. Uh, there is just this point too where I'm gonna be real, and I'll be the one. I'll be that asshole. It's like, dude, this kid. One kid is not worth a nuclear like weapon that will wipe out everything. Like I, like I'm sorry you couldn't wrap it up, B. But uh, D, pardon me, <laughs> but God damn it, dude, you're gonna get the whole world kablooey because because you can't shake your ego at the door like shitty i know but at the same time there is that point where i'm like uh all right man but it does lead to that great hard hard-boiled rip-off scene which i i'll admit i cheered for i was like all right i know exactly what you're ripping off but it's great it's a legitimately great scene I think one of the big issues just with this movie as a whole is the Deckard Shaw as a misunderstood war hero arc. Because there are a lot of arcs you could take that character who introduced his first movie with A, killing your favorite character, and then threatening two nurses he will kill them if they can't keep his brother alive while he walks through a room of murder. But saying he's misunderstood yeah, is a, a bit of a bridge too far, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and I, it, so I, yeah, hashtag justice for that, Han is fair. pretty much what I'm saying. So, so the big thing with these with his character is that um, I, I think I mentioned it uh, for Furious uh, for Furious Seven. Um, the big issue, or or um, or for fate, pardon me, the lack of the team going what the fuck is just really apparent, and it's one of those things that you go, you needed to have a scene like they they, they get right up to the line of having that discussion, and they just don't have it. Like there there would be someone, and I feel like that really should have been Roman going, what the fuck, dude, you killed our friend. Like he really should have been the one to start that dialogue, and that never really happens and so mr nobody basically just goes yep you're all working together deal with it it's like nah man like this motherfucker did okay this. and miss a few okay two positives and one negative about fate of the furious and the negative outweighs the positives yeah uh the okay. prison fight the face-off ripoff is incredible it's yes. the best hobbs and shaw movie that you will ever see I'm not even saying that Hobbs and Shaw is a better movie than this, but that six minute stretch of them like breaking out of the prison is incredible. The die another day set piece is incredible. Like it, it's yep. everything that like, I remember being excited for die another day in 2003 and then seeing it and thinking, wow, this is like really pastiche. 
there's a way that F. Gary Gray shoots the snow where you can feel like the the like sleet hitting your goddamn camera and having grown up in the Midwest, you're just like, holy shit, this dude knows how to shoot this. It feels <laughs> practical. And all the Roman stuff is great. Um, Scott Eastwood is the big minus, though. Scott Eastwood showing he up is. as the most obvious, hey, we don't understand what Paul Walker has, which, you know, I'll agree with you. Like, I'll agree with whoever was on in charge. He's a weird person to replace. I mean, you would need like a Keanu Reeves or I've even said like a John Cho, somebody who's like decently earnest and can be a straight man, but also like seems like he's having a great time with everybody. Scott Eastwood kind of has the Jared Leto Joker issue where he just... He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I was friends with uh, Heath Ledger, you know, and I could easily step into this role that he's easily made iconic and part of his life. Yeah, sure. No problem. And you're Scott Eastwood and you're Wooden in general. And it doesn't even help that Tyrese, who is amazing in this movie, makes fun of every time you're being Wooden. There's one point where Scott Eastwood is like uh, over to uh, Delta team over and uh, Tyrese is like, Psh, boring white guy to <laughs> boring white guy number one to boring white guy number two. You should like uh, kill yourself uh, over. Psh. And I'm just like, yeah. why is that so funny? And it's because I just don't like Scott Eastwood. But Hobbs, uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious, humbly present uh, Sirs uh, Hobbs and Monsoor uh, Shaw. Yeah. So, okay. So this is the one for me that might be my favorite theater experience out of all of them with the exception of uh that's fair um so my uh so my uh my friend colin and i who started the podcast with me his brother-in-law had never seen a fast and furious film so he was like hey can i come with you guys i was like sure so we go to imax we smoke a joint in the parking lot beforehand and so that scene where hobbs is flying out of the window punching Idris Elba and they go flying through that glass fixture. He looks over at me like this and goes, dude, are they all like this? I'm like, basically since the fifth one, he was like, holy shit, I need to buy these. <laughs> and so look, I understand. I understand the multitude of issues you can point to the Hobbs and Shaw. You could talk about the fact that that whole, you know, final fight starts at night and then just transitions in the broad daylight because fuck you, that's why. You could talk about the fact that Aegis Elba, <laughs> it, it's basically Cyberpunk 2077. Like he's he's black Superman, but with every fucking enhancement that you could possibly have. You could talk about the fact that his bike is almost mystical and from Narnia because it can do any fucking thing <laughs> that the bike or the script requires. Like you could point to all of these things and I cannot dispute or say that you're wrong but my god i have so much fun with this movie at the way i put it in my review i think i think i said this in my review or i might have tweeted it that it's like if the lethal weapon was written by an asshole who only drank pbr like that's <laughs> what Hobson shaw is and yes it is dumb as fuck but do i have fun with it absolutely it's maybe it's actually lower and you know I won't say where it is on my list. We'll get there. But it's something that I enjoy. And, but again, I fully acknowledge uh, the faults that it has. But Nathan. Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, this is the one I have the most conflicted opinions about. Because I think it is an upswing a little bit from fate. 
But I also think that as far as being a Fast and Furious movie, it's the only one that feels like a product. And I've talked, I talked about this at okay. length on Synapse. Uh, I wrote a little blurb for uh, their Fast and the Furious thing. Uh, shout out to Frank Avio, who uh, told me like, hey, you know, if you want to write this uh, for my friend, yeah, sure. So, you know, doing freelance shit. Cool. Uh, what's interesting, though, about this is how much I feel the loss of Vin Diesel, for sure. I think when Vin Diesel leaves, there's a weird sincerity that is lost from the franchise. And I know this is a spinoff and it works well. I have no issues with the supernatural or sci-fi aspects of this. I actually think those are straight up enjoyable. I think Vanessa Kirby okay. is great in this. She's the best. She's thing the best thing about the movie. My biggest issue is that The Rock and Jason Statham's chemistry is great, but they have watered down their characters so much. And I will say it's probably more due to the fact that Dwayne Johnson is a producer on this film. And it ultimately, I mean, there is no element of this Hobbs that feels like the Hobbs from Fast Five or even Fate of the Furious, which is strange to me. He it, like the joke is that he's a good dad and women just want to fuck him. Like that's the that's the only joke. It used to be that he takes himself so seriously and that he takes his job too seriously, but that's it. And I found their bickering back and forth to be like you could have cut the line like two lines ago, but instead it just goes into almost literally like you know how uh well no you you wouldn't know how, but you know how your mom will be like, yeah, what Trump said was locker room talk. And I'll be like, no, that's not locker room talk. Hobbs and Shaw is just mostly locker room talk, which is something that oddly enough, the Fast and the Furious movies rarely ever (laughs) tap into. Like they rarely ever have a Bond girl, like a girl who has to be earned by the end of the movie. Like even for all the criticisms we had of, uh, God, what's her name? Uh, uh, Elsa Pataki's arc in Fate of the Furious it's like a slow paced yeah. three movie arc where they share trauma and they end up like getting together based off of like mutual respect. Vanessa Kirby sadly is belittled down to just being somebody who the rock wants to fuck when she has more sexual chemistry with Jason Statham. Yeah. And them being siblings. It's like, Oh, that's, that's it's, weird. It's hard to take um, in. I also think that like Jason Statham I think he's doing the most he can with the material. I even think The Rock is doing the most he can with the material. But this is the one that leans so hard into the comedy that it it won't take itself seriously for a second, which is fine with most of the Fast and Furious movies. I actually think Nine, which we'll talk about in just a moment, strikes a really good balance between being meta and also being sincere. I think this one is the least sincere out of all of them. I still have fun with it. So I just wish I was having more fun. It's more my issue because their scenes in eight were the only things that gave me any like, wow, cinema moments in eight, you know? And even in seven. So like for me, so for me with Hobbs and Shaw, I will say um, I'm, I'm weirdly, and I, and I have to put this out there because if they're going to tie I mean, we don't know what spinoffs are going to do, but if they're going to tie this other criminal organization into maybe are Cypher, we talking Etienne? That could. Oh my god! Like, is that, Why am I not interested? Is that the in name that? of the? 
yeah, like, like it's it's a fascinating notion because it feels like it could be their specter, and I'm kind of going, all well, right, who that well, voice was right. I, was it was it supposed to be Keanu? He was going to be Keanu. They couldn't get him, so they got Ryan Reynolds. Okay, which is weird. So, I mean, I mean, they can really yeah, cast anybody in the movie anyway. And Ryan Reynolds uh, yeah. was stealthy in the marketing, and a lot of critics didn't bring it up at the time. Uh, Heike, the MVP of this movie, he he's he's hilarious in the bits he's in, and this is the most I've liked Kevin Hart in a movie in a minute. Like I was like, oh wow, I'm not annoyed yeah, by like you. it's no that and Jumanji too, and Central Intelligence. Yeah, what, what's crazy to me yeah. about uh, seeing Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds is it's not even the best bits they've ever done. It's just that there is something that is like relieving about seeing somebody else do comedy bits who isn't who is a comedian, you know. I get like I, it's not yeah. even Kevin. Like Kevin Hart's whole bit is like, oh, I have lower testosterone than both people in the room, and I'm trying to be tough. It's like the bit in every The Rock movie. I mean, that's yeah. the only reason why. Like, he's the only co-star that sings when The Rock is on screen. Because he already knows he's low it's, it's one of those weird things, though, for me that it's 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 like one of those chaotic like uh, like uh, Japanese beat em, uh, beat em up games you play like at a round table. That's like, a fair like, comparison. That's what this like like that's what this movie is to me. Like I know exactly <laughs> what I'm getting. It didn't need to be more than that i do i think it is better than fate i think i gave it a b plus when we reviewed it but it was one of those things that i fully admit that it's it's probably the most hollow out of them and uh out of the films for me not including tokyo drift or too fast and that doesn't but mean worse like at all yeah no but a lot of the chemistry does work for me now i will say this I will like it less if Vanessa Kirby is just a one-off because for what they did with her, there's no reason she should be. Uh, she should be back in the fold. That's so totally fair. My my grade, so my grade might actually change and go down to a B if they just go, all right, cool, thanks for being that one movie, you're done. So hopefully they don't do that. But that brings us to F9. The Fast Saga, yes. And we... We've talked about it a little bit, and since we don't know if we're going to be back for the review, fuck it. We'll just kind of do a little mini review here. Um, In talking these out with you, okay, you know, so before we get there, before we actually talk about the movie, we're going to go through, I'm going to do our 1 through 10 as far as our ranking. So I'm going to do mine 10 through 1. So my 10 would be uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. That's by far my least favorite one. Not uh, I... All the respect to Han, that's the one thing I like about that movie outside of the direction. Mine is Too Fast, okay. Too Furious. Never... As much as I love that uh, okay. John Singleton... Uh, oh my gosh, John Singleton. John Singleton got to do whatever he really wanted stylistically, and it was Im- impressive to behold. It's also a bit too much, and I think that the stripped-down nature of Tokyo Drift makes it a little less of an eyesore on me, even though I do like elements of it. But then my nine is uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, just to get that out of the way. Okay, that's funny, because my number nine is Okay, cool. So we have the same bottom two. That's chill. It's really just like Sonny Chiba and Hanner in Tokyo Drift, and I don't have anybody who entertains me as much as those two people. 
totally fair. So, so there you go. So then my number eight would be uh, Fast and Furious. Oh wow! Um, show, yeah, that's my number eight. So I went back and rewatched it, and there's just stuff about it, and it's not even. This is so weird. It's not even really the script. It's more some of the characters. Like for example, the cops around Brian are the biggest pieces of shit. And so when he goes ahead and kind of just lets Dom leave, I'm like, yeah, maybe you guys hadn't been such fucking assholes. Oh, maybe but that's what works for me. More about that. Really? Yeah, okay. Is so way higher uh, than yours for sure. Interesting. Um, okay. okay. So what's uh, your number eight? Furious. Okay. I don't even feel like we need to explain why. I mean, I think that was a big uh, reason why. And then um, I'm just going to say it just because we just got it out of the way. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw is my number seven. Okay. Hobbs and Shaw is number seven. Okay. Um, my number seven is actually, God, this is kind of eerie. My number seven is uh, okay. Fate of the Fear. That totally so makes that's sense. My number seven. Uh, so that's my number seven. Um, my number six would be uh, Pop okay. and Shaw. Um, it's not top half, but I I do like it more than Fate. Like after rewatching them, yeah, it's same. Again recently, I'm like, I'm like, same. Uh, that fight scene in Samoa um, is straight up inventive, and I actually like, even though the night turns to day, and that really sucks, especially when you establish a ticking clock. Idris Elba as a villain is way better yes. than Cipher in the Fate of the Furious, and it generally knows that. its tone a little bit better than the Fate of the Furious. And it doesn't have so, to rely on having the prestige of being a Fast and Furious film, really. So, no, and, and that's, I think that's totally fair. Um, my number five would be uh, Fast and Furious. So, um, I stand by it. I think that's the most underrated one out of all of them for me. Um, I think Paul <coughs> Walker, I, I, think he's, I think he's genuinely great in that. Um, and again, the whole scenes with him and Mia reconnecting genuinely make my heart happy. It's like, oh, okay. But her telling him that, you know, he ruined her life, that just breaks my heart. It's one of the best monologues in the whole series. I remember going, God damn, like, uh, I mean, you know, and her calling him out for why the fuck didn't you call? It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, she's not wrong. Like you were kind of a dick about this. So. Uh, yeah, Fast and Furious would be my okay. number five. Uh, my number five is Fast Ampersand Furious. Or wait, sorry, you, you said your number five. I thought it was your number six. Oh yeah, no, sorry. My number six was Hobbs and Shaw. My number five was okay. Fast my number Furious. six is Furious Six. Um, that okay. runway just really upsets me. It takes things a little too far, too fast. But I actually liked it more upon rewatch because it is the last time we had the whole team together, and it is the last time we had Justin Lin until this next one. Um, then after that, my number five is Fast Ampersand Furious. I think, like you said, one of the most underrated of the franchise uh, really brought the steam back into it. it. You know what? Comparing the two franchises, which I actually do think is a more apt comparison than the MCU, uh, it's the Mission Impossible free, uh, 3 of the franchise. Mission, it, like, okay. it has that Mission Impossible 3 vibe in the sense that it's a little bit more stripped down you're seeing probably the last real performance out of your lead. I mean, I, yeah, I won't give that to fair. Tom Cruise. I actually think Tom Cruise adds a lot, especially, I mean, he, there's never a time where Tom Cruise doesn't put himself in a hundred percent. Vin Diesel Agreed. puts himself in at like 20% most of the time. Yeah. I mean, unless, yeah, he actually, you can argue he art, he played, he acted more in bloodshot or, uh, 
or Bloodsport. I, 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 I believe it. Um, my number four is The Fast yeah. and the Furious. I think that that movie just is lightning in a bottle. I don't think it's the best directed out of all of them, but it manages to capture a star. Like, just as the making, the character dynamics are iconic. It's just almost kind of undeniable to some extent. No, and that's fair. Like, rewatching it, you you get that, and I can't believe I'm saying this, you get that Ghostbusters feeling of sense of, like, everyone here knew exactly what they were making in the moment it's an exploitation throwback we never knew there was going to be like eight more of these or nine more of these or ten more of these oh yeah fuck no yeah who the fuck would have guessed that we'd be you know they'd be making these 20 years later but so that's your number yeah. four right? what's your number four okay so my number four is uh is uh fast and furious six so um i agree the the long the long runway thing that does like the just the infinite runway. It does bother me. It's like my biggest problem. Yeah, same. Right? It's like, uh, especially to the fact that it leads to such a character death like Giselle. It's like, God damn it. Like, I really wish you would have killed her, honestly, in a different way. Kill her in the tank because, set I, I, piece and have that be like Hans getting revenge for Giselle against them on the plane. Holy yeah. shit. That's a better set piece. Yeah, it actually is. So, uh, but and still enjoy so much about that. I think Brian really takes a uh, center stage more than maybe he was intended in that film. But I just I, I love so much about that. So that's my number four. My number three is Fast. Same. Um, my I think we should I, just get into it at this point because I think we might yeah, have the same ranking so, at, at, from our top three. So here's the thing. I understand people. So. I rarely call out critics, um, unless they're Grace Randolph. I rarely call out critics on here, but I have to call someone out. I have to call John Campia out. I'm a fan of John Campia. I've listened to him for a while, but he even said that he was debating whether Fast 9 was worse than Thunder Force. And Mr. Campia, again, I'm a fan. You're a fucking moron for saying that. That is the dumbest goddamn comparison because here's the thing. Fast 9 if this was the first movie in this franchise, you might have a point. They have been establishing the rules and they've been getting more insane with every single one. You should know what the score is by now. So when you see, you know, Dom using Nos to go ahead and swing off the rope bridge from Temple of Doom, when you see, you know, when when you see cars flipping, when you see magnets crashing through all these store windows and shit, it, I'm sorry, is that really any different than a safe in Fast Five? Like, they've been telling you this is the direction that they've been heading. And I'm sorry, did no one see little Brian with a spaceship and go, hmm, they're not going to space? Like, the movie pretty much laid its cards out before the film even came out and went, this is where we're going. If you're not down with it, you should take the off-ramp now. And so people really just give this shit. It's like, sorry, y'all, this is... And this isn't even problematic like a 50 shades or anything like that or like a transformers where it's using nothing but racial bad oh racial God, comedy this is just a this is just a dumb set of popcorn flicks but at the same time to your point it's a minority driven uh running franchise with 10 films that again whether you like them or not have made billions of dollars somebody posted a tweet of- race uh recently about the fact that somebody deep inside Hollywood said that um, 
watching the box office success of the Fast and Furious franchise, which I mean, I, I know people don't like to acknowledge this, but Vin Diesel is a person of color. He, yes. he is the lead of this franchise. There are token white people in this franchise. I'm the token white person yep. who likes this franchise. Like there are so few of us. Half of the other white people are like, oh man, this is a uh, toxic trash. I, I mean, yeah. there's only one director who is white in this entire franchise, even behind the camera. It's fucking diverse as yeah. shit. And it's exactly what I think a lot of people are now like coming to realize, like we don't have that many big voices of color. I mean, once I looked through the Criterion collection, I mean, Spike Lee just got to do the right thing in there. Like, isn't that fucking insane? Yeah, which- which is absurd. I just rewatched that. Like a Singleton doesn't have a single That's movie in there. I mean, you'd think Boys no, in the Hood should be in there like 2001, but no, hasn't happened. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, to your point, F9 to me felt like the pieces being rearranged back in the checkboard, chessboard. You could tell Justin Lin came in and was like, there are some things that aren't working for me exactly. We need to get this back to basics. We need to get this somewhat gr- not not grounded because it's not. They literally go to space. No, 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 no. But they spend about 25% of the movie in 1989 in a flashback with Dominic Toretto. Yeah. And they, they double down on the soap opera stuff, but somehow it works because the actor who plays young Dom yeah. is relied on more than Vin Diesel. And he's acting his ass off. Yeah, totally. That was the biggest shock for me at the press screening was that the Dom, young Dom stuff was really working for me. Like when Dominic Toretto describes the scream that he had, they were, when he's describing like my father was screaming, but then people reminded me that it was me who was screaming. When you see that on his face, he embodies it to the level that when Vin Diesel is being crazy and not quite lucid on interviews saying, well, the Fast and Furious franchise is over, but I think Dominic Toretto could live on for six movies with this kid. I'm like, you know, I get it because this kid is a great actor. Taking the yeah. flashback stuff aside, which is weirdly effective, uh, and that's yeah. really the best way to put it, weirdly effective. You you watch these scenes and you're like, okay, they they did the looper thing where they managed to take an actor who looks halfway between John Cena and Vin Diesel yeah. to have him play Vin Diesel. Then you have a guy who looks a lot like a young John Cena in one scene and it starts to work out. Taking all that aside, I think this is the most they've pushed the franchise forward since five. Interesting. Because okay. six goes, we're international size. Okay, six actually does push the franchise forward. I'll say most since six. Because they've kept on the okay. spy motto. But there are entire characters in this franchise that, yes, are brought back from the dead. Obviously, we have Han, who becomes more like Leon the Professional in this one. Yeah, he... So, Han... So, I love the arc they gave him as far as him being like a... Kind of like a surrogate brother, kind of now. Which is something I went... I didn't think I, I read it as this, surrogate the way father, they yeah. Okay, but the way that's done, I went because my big thing, and I even said, you know, in the trailer reviews, I went, look, my big hang up is going to be justice for Han. Like, they need to actually explain this shit and not just be like, well, uh, you know, Shaw shot the car at this angle, so you know, da da da. But they actually had a reason that I went, 
okay, this actually works for me. Go, I'm shocked it does, but it actually, in the universe you've set up, I can buy this. Um, I thought Han was fucking great. And then, you know, you get your Helen Mirren scene that while she's not in it for that long, which is, you know, tragic, but the little bit of her you do get, I really did enjoy. And then this is the most Jordana Brewster's had to do, I'd say, since the fourth one. Well, it's the um, most everybody's really kind of had more to do, honestly. It, that's what's crazy is uh, I think yeah, this fair. is the best use of Tyrese, who has been one of the actual like MVPs of this franchise. He has like a, I, I compared him to Daffy Duck earlier in this recording for sure, because we're approaching the two and a half hour mark, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But you look at what he has to do in this movie and he it's like he's finally in his duck amuck thing where he's starting to see the uh the fact that he's being painted <laughs> into these cartoons he, he's starting to see what movie he's in and he gets even more self-referential yeah. than he was beforehand but he doesn't do it in the way that like ryan reynolds does his deadpool he does it in a very subtle, very human way, which is insane for me to say in this movie. Um, he he's yeah, he's kind of like the he's kind of like the Black Phil Coulson, like he's very much the that's avatar a good comparison. for the audience to to, to kind of go okay because they go right up to the wall and don't quite break it because they have this whole conversation about maybe we're superhuman and then everyone kind of clowns him. There's no there's no they, proof otherwise. Know, this, yeah, no, and, and they just kind of leave it. And I know some people are like, that's stupid. I went, they're at least acknowledging it because you'd be mad if they just left it alone and didn't It's say not it. as stupid like, ah, as okay. like like, Vanessa Kirby asking, who are you to Idris Elba? And he says, bad guy. Yeah, like, that's, no, 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 it's not that it, It's <laughs> Yeah, I, I dig on the fact that it's self-referential and that gets fun, but that does occasionally get a big grading. And this uh, takes a perfect tone. Uh, they even retroactively turn um, the Tokyo Drift guys into this ragtag, almost Armageddon-esque, like, let's uh, bring people to space. Yeah. The space stuff is great. The magnet stuff is great. Charlie Theron is a better character in this one than she was in the previous one. Um, Very Hannibal. You could say Lester Dominic Toretto is a better character than he's been in the past couple, simply because of the person playing him in the young era. And I love Vin Diesel, but there we go. Um yeah, I mean, who else? They you could literally go down the gambit. Even so, John Cena. We talked about it a little bit off mic. I felt like he kind of felt like a car. Like he kind of needed to be warmed up a little bit. Like like the first kind of bits we see, even when he's back at his uh, at the compound or whatever, being a bad guy. I just went, eh, okay. Like I'm not buying this yet. It's it's not really until him and Dom have that conversation when uh, uh, Helen Mirren's uh, Shaw character kind of drops Dom off at this party and they have that whole like oh I'm gonna take your gun no I'm gonna take your gun blah, blah, blah. like that that kind of sequence that you see in the uh, in the trailer that I went okay now it kind of feels like Cena is kind of hitting his groove a little bit so I, I will say that bit considering he's supposed to be the big bad I think he's one of the weakest things while. about the movie for sure I do think Ramsey actually okay. really starts to sing in here where she hadn't in seven and eight as much for me, especially with the set okay. piece where she is learning how to drive. Which, which, by the way, apparently it's really easy to drive stick. Because 
Well, I love that she thinks that the magnet is integral to the driving, which I hope it is actually integral to the dry, driving in the later movies. Uh, I I think that um, for all of the uh, moves towards the end, I think the last hour is just so strong. It's almost undeniable. When you see that in a theater, and I'm about to see it later on today in D-Box, which I'm really excited about, every time they go to space, everybody nice. laughs. It's just a fucking yeah. fun time. It, it's really, it's just sort of undeniable. And I know yeah. it, it's not getting the best reviews right now, but I think F9 The Fast Saga is the first, like, big summer movie I feel like I've seen in a long time and it it's interesting it coming 10 years after uh Fast Five and uh 20 years after the Fast and the Furious because you're really able to look back at it. it gives me a feeling that I wish Skyfall gave me and also a feeling that I wish uh Star Wars The Last Jedi gave me where this franchise could really go anywhere the last thing I was going to touch on before we get to our uh top two is the yeah. um the use of women in this movie was shockingly great. I think this is the only Fast and Furious movie to yeah. pass the Beckdale test. And I wasn't consciously thinking about it the first time I watched it, but the second time seeing Jordana Brewster and um, uh, Michelle Rodriguez talk about like, Hey, remember, like we've known each other most of our lives. Isn't it crazy what's going on here while sharing a bowl of ramen in Tokyo is just like yes. that's the sort of chills. It, it's just it. It's great to see. Plus, Han's uh, like surrogate daughter, surrogate sister that he has in this movie is great. Yeah, the badass. total badass. Uh, Charlie's Theron, Helen Mirren. It it to me is now like making me realize that these movies can just sort of live on forever, forever with the characters that they have. Which is crazy to say about a series called Fast and Furious starring Vin Diesel. Well, the thing, so one thing that I was really appreciative of, like, because you brought up that scene, I'm happy they had that quiet moment because as parents, I'm kind of sitting there going, all right, you're both halfway around the world away from your kids, and yet they have that quiet moment to just. Yeah, as mothers, and I think it actually. One being a surrogate mother, obviously, but you know. Yeah. But I really appreciate that that was a thing in there. I went, okay, I, I, I give really you moments like this. to breathe and... the characters, which is crazy. We'll get a set piece, or not a set piece. We'll get a sequence in between, like two action sequences in Fast Five, where uh, Paul Walker says, "Hey Dom, what do you remember about your father?" And Dom's like, "My father, I remember everything about my father." And then Vin Diesel, or sorry, Paul Walker is just like, uh, all I remember is his back as he's leaving the door and they relate off of the, their uh, like different experiences with fatherhood for him to carry on to be a better father. Like, you're not expecting this yeah. out of the series. It, it, it's, it's one of those rare, it's one of those like deeper moments that you kind of go, oh, okay. Like, I didn't expect to have this, but that's awesome. And even where Han kind of gets his redemption as far as what was happening with him, that's a shockingly dark thing that occurs and you go, oh, this is how you're still around. It's still, so like we were talking about kind of the possible, like how you would have had to be kind of a revenge for Giselle. 
he kind of gets that though through the situation that he was put in unfairly and i went oh okay i really like that plus he has the best death as far as to a bad guy yeah. in the movie that I went, oh shit. Like it's a, it's a great badass. Well, one of the few people seeing... with like big stakes in the game at that point. True. Um, but so, you know, like I said, since we uh, were talking about how um, probably won't be back for the review, I'm just going to give my rating on it now before we do our, our final two. Um, for me, I've been going back and forth on B plus a minus. I've been like, straddling that line like pretty much since Saturday thinking about it I'm gonna lean towards A minus though on this because first off I laughed I laughed hard I cried the like, space is having so, so hard well. like, it, it it really is and I'm happy you touched on that because that was the big thing I was gonna actually say kind of tipped over the edge for me is that there's this point where Roman and Tej are willing to make this sacrifice and I went okay there's a world where they're actually stuck up here. And, and it gave me that for, for a genuine minute, I went, oh, shit, they could be stuck up here. This, well, there's this a scene fuck. with Roman okay. and, and a mine that is so well done. And it, it leads into a joke, but he's able to give you enough tension. And it's like, maybe these characters will die. In referencing the fact that they're invincible, they managed to actually reference the fact that maybe they aren't they're like questioning their god yeah. in this movie which is crazy and their god is like the movie gods from cabin in the woods it, yeah it like weirdly like turns into a joke but then flips around it's it both like, like a successful deeper. hollywood it's... blockbuster and also a fuck you to hollywood blockbusters at the same time it's kind of an insane movie it's 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 the tropic thunder of the fast and furious franchise that's a good that's one that's essentially what it is and it's just it's weird how it works on both levels. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna give this personally an A minus because I paid oh god I think I paid like 15 bucks for my ticket and when I left the theater I went yep that was worth every penny didn't feel like I was gypped or anything. Um, plus before I let you give your rating the marketing leading up to this as far as and I think uh, we talked about the trailer of you know Vin Diesel talking the about movies. you know there's a uh, yeah, that whole trailer, the marketing leading up to this, I went, God damn, I'm really getting hyped for this. And actually emotional? And go figure. Would you say about, lived up to the hype? For me, yeah. yeah. Like, not, 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 like, yeah. I, I, I give it, like, the only reason I'm not going higher on it is because there were some things I just went, all right, I'm not going to, I can only give you so much rope as a critic, but my enjoyment of this is trumping some of my gripes. So that's why I fall into the A-. I, I think I'm actually the same with you. I think this is an A-, uh, especially compared to the rest of this franchise and discussion. I think this is totally an A-. And, and the only minus really is that I feel like so much of it is him setting the table for the next two movies he's going to direct. I, Which yeah, I, it's one of those that. Marvel things where, yeah, maybe that's an unfair thing, but uh, with a lot of the Marvel things, it's like, all right, well, I know they're leading to like a Winter Soldier, or, like an Infinity War. I don't know about you, but I don't know what Fast Ten or Fast Eleven are going to hold. Now that I, space is so, off the table, I I mean, or like more on the table than before, I have no idea. So it's funny you bring that up because I was actually, you know, we've been talking in the impossible chat about potential endings, like, and kind of joking. But I gotta be honest, I have no idea how you end this quote main story. I just 
I mean, does Dom die? Like, do, do they have the balls to actually kill Dom off? I don't think so, because Vin Diesel producer. So, you kill Letty again? Do you kill, like, uh, does anyone die? Is it going like, to be a Hobbs kind versus... Of need Hobbs and Shaw versus uh, Toretto family movie? Is it going to be a, a stealth sequel to the Before trilogy right now? Is it going to be a Jurassic Park com- combined movie? Is it going to be Transformers meets Fast and Furious? We literally have no idea. And all of those things seem viable as an option. Yeah, and like everything you just said, I went, oh my god, they could... Like Ethan Hawke could randomly appear halfway through and be like, it reminds me of this time in Vienna. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this could be a training day sequel. David Ayer wrote the first one, same year. I mean, true. I, I think I just, that's that's yeah. truly what's so exciting about this. Even based off of a post-credit teaser, your main thought is not, huh? It's what? <laughs> so I'm happy you brought up the post-credit teaser because um Shaw opening his door and seeing Han in front of him. You you have to start the next movie there. You have to because that is an immediate oh shit. This is consequences of oh I thought you're dead. Oh guess what I'm not. Oh fuck. Okay awkward. Like I want to know where that conversation is even gonna look like. I'm horribly intrigued to see how because there is a world where you know they say Shaw was working for Mister Nobody and like he went like you know shit just went wrong. Or maybe Shaw was just a really terrible shot. And, you know, now Holland's like, oh, yeah, you know how you thought you killed me? Well, here's your receipt. So I'm really intrigued by what, to your point, what the next two films look like. They're shooting back to back. So, I I mean, I'm assuming Lynn has a plan, but. Lynn is one of the most interesting working directors right now. I think as far as blockbuster cinema, definitely. I'm excited like he was constantly like he, he he sort of tapped out of Fast and Furious to do Star Trek, yes, but he also really wanted to make a Lone Wolf and Cub movie, and they basically said like, yeah, really? no, you can't make that with an Asian actor. There's no market for that. And I hope he gets to make that movie. I hope he, even at least he gets to direct an episode of like The Mandalorian. Like I'd love to see what that looks like. That I would be cool. He's just he sold me on everything. He. The, the dude's just a master. That's all I felt throughout this entire movie was I'm in good hands for the next two, which yeah. is not maybe the best yeah. feeling you want to get from a standalone movie. But right now, as of this point, they really managed to do some stuff that felt as exciting as Rio in Fast Five. Um, but let's do our last yeah. two. All right, last two. So I'm going to do them back to back. So my number two is Furious 7. Um I, I just because of how they ended things with Paul Walker and just I think it's the it's almost the perfect collection of just everything I, I love about the franchise converging into just like the perfect storm um, plus the villain uh, is just so fucking wonderful and the set pieces and it has <laughs> the whole you see about street uh, street fight they the streets always <laughs> So great. Uh, same, by the way. We have the same ranking. I, I think Furious 7, uh, like I said before, I think James Wan deserves Best Director Under the Circumstance Award for this movie. And I don't even say that in a Agreed. like facetious way. I think there actually probably should be an award for that because I've been the Best Director 
uh, given the circumstances, I've had to direct footage that has been like completely destroyed by sunlight and a bad breakup. And I know exactly. Oh shit! I know exactly what that's like. But um, I think I know your number one and my number one. Yeah, yeah fast, fast five. five. It's unbeatable. Like it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's by far the best. It's by far the best one. But Furious Seven, though, like I said, I, I just think that's one of those movies that kind of deserves a little more praise. But um, dude. We got through all this in under three hours, which I'm under three hours. Yeah. Uh, I will say my uh, my person for that undisputed review canceled, but I'm also probably going to have to prime myself to do uh, uh, F9 later today, not, not the review. And we pretty much reviewed it right here. So we we did. And that's why I'm just like, yeah, I think that's I think that's a total fair review. But, dude, um, thank you yeah, so no, much. Dude. Tell the people where they can find Tell the people where they can uh, find you. Well, shit. You can find me on Twitter at Nathan Flynn. You can find me writing weird tweets about like uh, Parent Trap and shit. Uh, and then like Fast and Furious. And then like just typically being like a white film critic, uh, like a lot of us are. Uh, <laughs> you know, just a uh, generic uh, weird dude who likes Fast and Furious franchise. You can also find me uh, on my podcast, Mission Impotable. I host with my friend Aaron. We cover not only the oh my gosh getting them mixed up in my head the mission Im- freaking sanity <laughs> series no we cover the mission impossible film franchise but we also go into the tv shows and the tv show episodes are fucking nuts i, I always feel like yes, i have to like give people this primer i'm like yo there are ghosts in here uh one episode lsd is like a big part of the plot like guys come on like could you imagine if tom cruise were doing this shit on a big screen but hey let's watch it we talked to a lot of the stars Hunter uh, was on an interview we did with Phil Morris, which I would recommend as a great starting point, just to sort of like, it he, is. He, oh, it's a great interview. But anywho, yeah, I mean, I hop at the opportunity to talk about Fast and Furious with anybody. I think this will be studied in film schools for years to come. If it is not, uh, I think that the film community has failed us. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I'm just um, I'm glad to finally come on the real pineapple, dude. It was nice to have you, or it's nice to have me. Nice to have you have me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, this is the thing about what a these. very once we start to go around two hours, we start to get so high and drunk, and a bottle of wine's gone. Right. That was how very too fast, too furious of you. <laughs> too drunk, too <laughs> curious. What are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. But right, <laughs> but. but... But goddamn, man, thank you so much for being on. Uh, everyone, as far as where you can find me, you can find The Real Pineapple wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. And you can find Scott on Twitter at Nearman the First. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on uh, Facebook as well at The Real Pineapple and Real Pineapple Games on Facebook as well. Uh, we'll have reviews up here soon for Black Widow, which I am... Uh, watching tonight real excited to watch that and get that review done i can actually post that uh, in about a week a week or two and then uh we'll have reviews up as well for um boys don't cry before the end of pride month i i need to be in the right headspace to watch that movie because that's a rough one but i want to <laughs> review that and uh some other stuff come down the line so Nathan, thank you so much again for being I on think i we appreciate should, you uh, and- we should end this like too fast too furious where i just say uh Pockets ain't empty, cuh. And you say, uh, well, we ain't hungry no more either. (laughs) (laughs) 
Have a good night, Take everybody. It easy. Family. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. I'll end this and I'll get the audio.